Kia ora everyone, welcome back to the Sign Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony, and today with us we've got Richie Johnston, welcome Richie. Thanks Tony, cheers mate, thanks for having me along. Well, good to have you on, how's your summer been? The summer has been amazing, it's been different, clearly because we haven't been able to get overseas and, and go shred the power we all know and love, but it's given me plenty of time to hang out with my family. My, my wee daughter is now almost a year and a half old, so, and... Uh, spending time at home with her um, especially has been, yeah, it's been really special times. It's been good. Oh, and um, you head away much around New Zealand or just pretty Wanaka based? Uh, for the most part Wanaka. Wanaka is certainly home. Uh, I've been living there since, what, so finished uni in 2002. But yeah, Wanaka is home. Uh, the summer has been much just mountain biking local trails and enjoying the lake whenever I can and mm. sneaking a trip over to the west coast um, for a bit of diving. Nice. Bloody hell, she's been a bit of a dry summer, eh? It has, yeah. Not not been the summer rain storms that uh, quite enjoy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, feel for the crew up north, they've had it pretty rough. Mm. Mm. Oh, we'll fire this one up. Uh, Richie, where are you from and how did you get into snowboarding? I grew up on a farm... Uh, not far from Auckland, just south of Auckland, near the, near the Bombay Hills. And so, yeah, fairly well removed from the snow scene, certainly mountains in general. But while I was at school, got into a bit of skateboarding with some buddies, and from there it sort of flowed into board sports in general, really. Oh, nice. Got to tag along to a family holiday with some... Um, well, my own family, but also some friends down to Turo and Whakapapa. And from there, it just sort of spiraled into this uh, really cool passion for, for snowboarding. So, so was your family a uh, yeah, snow family already, or was this everyone's first time? Uh, well, being on a farm, it was much my, my dad's sort of background. Uh, my mum did have a bit of history in Europe. She... Um, taught swimming in Switzerland at a pool in a hotel randomly and so I was always curious about what it would be like to go to Europe and and embrace myself the culture and and obviously the mountains and the 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 travel that would go with it but as far as skiing goes no no not not a skiing family that um that all came from when I was at school all right yeah and so you were surfing and skating back, uh, back then, then. <laughs> Uh, not a surfer back then, certainly, and <laughs> and not really um, proficient in the waves these days. I, I can catch the odd wave for sure, mm. but nothing when it's um, burly or anything. Um, paddle fitness is not exactly the best, um, especially when you're doing back-to-back winters. You don't get a chance mm. to practice any much upper body strength mm. in, the, in the water. But uh, a little bit of skateboarding, and I guess that's where it all flowed from. Oh, um, skateboarding with my buddies at um, boarding school and up in Auckland and from there as I was finishing school I was searching for ways to try and get more of that in my life and that's the reason why I chose Canterbury University to study because it was close to the mountains it was close to Hutt and, and all the clubbies down yeah. down this way good skate parks in Christchurch too or yeah were you still skating at that point uh, not really eh? Um, just didn't bounce the same way on concrete so <laughs> I, 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 I just yeah, really enjoyed um, structuring my sort of university timetable around heading to the hills, and I'd be that guy at the front of the um, a mate's place at 
six thirty in the morning, um, you know, racking them up to get in the car and <laughs> go up Mount Hutt or Temple Basin. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so we'll take it back a little bit. Uh, what was your first day on the snowboard like? First day all started from one of those uh, secondhand, um, secondhand ski sales in up in Auckland, where they people bring all their old kit. I think it was in Newmarket, and I bought this old Checker Pig snowboard. Oh wow, that's a, a mm. name I haven't heard in a while. Check the old Checker Pig. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I still had it, man. I do have a lot of boards, but that, that board was uh, certainly something that yeah lit a fire. But uh, yeah, bought that board. Um, the boots probably didn't fit but I wore them anyway. The first day up on the snow was with actually on a snowboard was actually with a friend's family. Um, they were going down and I tagged along. We stayed up on one of those lodges on the side of the hill and I was amping for it. The day, the next day, it was actually a closed day, but I still strapped in outside and just bombed it down into this little gully, this pit somewhere um, in a whiteout. But uh, the feeling of it and how what it what that gave me that snow that uh, skateboarding didn't give me was was rad and um i still remember the first toe side traverse tearing it across happy valley out of control <laughs> losing all my shit along the way uh and just and there's not around because it was a white out and there's a blizzard but i was just fizzing for it man i was uh i was amping to to learn how to turn and, and get higher up the hill oh sweet and um, was there a moment snowboarding clicked? You're like, yes, this is me now. Or did we just talk about that then? Yeah, uh, the, the the passion clicked for me in, in Happy Valley down there. Um, I didn't get a lesson because uh, whether it was still a close day, I can't remember, but um, <laughs> there was no one working. But I just wanted to keep doing it. Um, and I just... Yeah, wanted to to get as many laps in as I could and learn by feeling, learn by doing, and I'd watch people off the chairlift and watch them turn and um, look for yeah what made sense to me. Mm. Um, in hindsight, I probably wish I'd got some more guidance back in the day because it probably would have helped me um, yeah learn better habits from mm. earlier on. But um yeah, no regrets. It's fine. Yeah. I'm still breaking um, habits from '92. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I, well, it was my granddad taught me, so he wasn't an instructor, so it was a lot of harden up and just get down there. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, but yeah. it's okay. I mean, everyone has habits, mm. and everyone's got their own special way they got into the sport, and and that's fine, you know. Mm. Um, it's just uh, yeah, what you want to do to get better these days, yeah. really, isn't it? I think yeah. for a while there, for me, like when I learned to ride switch, was was way later on. Mm. was actually technically better than my regular riding because I was aware of the habits to break and shit. Right, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Which was pretty ironic, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. People have, um, yeah, they have less bad habits, so to speak, mm. when they learn switch because they take the skills that they've learned to ride properly from the other direction mm. and apply it to the other, uh, their switch way. And, it, um, yeah, those fundamentals are so key, mm. so key. Now, so was there any uh, influences when you were growing up with snowboarding like were you getting your um information from uh, magazines and videos or um i bought as many new zealand snowboarder magazines as i could possibly get my hands on um, that was my uh inspiration um growing up certainly through secondary school and into university didn't have a lot of talented riders around me at all it was just me and my buddies and we're all at a very similar level 
strong intermediate hackers getting down the hill really um getting a bit adventurous um but not nothing that was um stand out that's for sure and, and all the all the standout moments came when i just read, read these magazines and, and get into snowboard videos still remember nick hine doing a a, a a backboard on this thin rail super low to the ground but um it wasn't the best and amazing trick but he was he was doing something that you know maybe i could do one day that was mm. wasn't necessarily a stair set but it was like a rail that i could i could jump on myself one day hopefully so so is that yeah. relatable feature thing yeah the relatable yeah. stuff you know and i think uh, yeah that's a, a lot where it's going these days is how can people relate to the snowboarding that they can do when they go up in their hill next you know yeah yeah mm. yeah it's pretty hard to relate to a double or quad or whatever yeah. how many spins was that <laughs> yeah yeah well what was that japanese kid did some oh was it a 21 2160 was it yeah 60 five then, spins i just that's that's too hard to keep up with yeah I just can't keep up with that i'll build it and they will come that's yeah. for sure and you, yeah. you, you so there's some riders in the pages new zealand snowboard that really are sort of got your attention uh <clears throat> it was no, no names specifically, but I think it was really cool to see uh, a mix of international pros and New Zealand pros, mm. to know that there was a, a talent in New Zealand and where they were riding and, and what they were riding in New Zealand. It wasn't just all about what you saw overseas. Yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty cool, eh? And it yeah. wasn't just the commercial mountains, it was the clubbies too, because they have so much to offer. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it was rad too, especially with that sort of, late 90s you'd see um certain issues where you'd have like dave downing or travis rice later on would have shots of new zealand snowboarder alongside the crew of the time it's like oh that's cool that you know like our crew yeah. stacks up with those dudes oh totally you'd, you'd flick the page and it'd be like heiner or will j or someone and mm. the image would stack up just as good as the international dude on the page before totally man yeah, totally cool. and I, I think you know you surround yourself with people that are better than you um in more ways than one you're mm. going to get better yourself yeah um and you yeah stay curious stay humble and yeah you're going to make sure that you put yourself in a position where you can ride with those people that are stronger than you yeah um because that's what it takes to get mm. better for sure so, so if you're be, if you're the best rider on the hill you're kind of on the wrong hill eh uh <laughs> well maybe but you might be there for for different reasons um but and and every, yeah everyone's got their own own buzz for it for sure and was there any international pros that got your attention or yeah back in the day i mean a lot of that came from when i started actually going overseas um you know you hear about terrier and, and travis and um you know miller and those those guys are certainly um play a big part of the my inspiration um getting better and and looking at what they did and, and how they did it um and it kept me curious and then that's that's played a big part of my development has just been curious so the people that i rode with a lot back when i was at university were just mates that i was in the dorms mm, with and just cruising figuring out snowboarding and yeah just yeah. um you know who, who wants to go to the mountain this weekend right we've got a car full let's go so yeah. is that classic student thing where you're like so I just remember dudes in Dunedin. Would, um, we were on a budget, man. Mm. Like we, I remember, we'd be. This is when I was at Canterbury, and we'd go to Mount Hutt 
I'd literally walk into the cafe at lunchtime with my toaster sandwich maker from home, um, already packed and clamped down with cheese and onion toasty and i'd plug it into the corner of the cafe and just uh and you know my buddies are there like oh yeah you want to toast me a sandwich too mate this sweet maybe the lights dimmed when i plugged it in you know but one of those old school ones is pretty cool um oh sweet um but yeah and, and we'd get we'd get our lift passes i think export gold did like a campaign where you get a lift pass if you bought a couple of boxes of beer um and at university like a day pass. yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah if you bought a couple of boxes of export you got a day pass at triple cone and that was gold like literally gold um because there's no way we were gonna you know so how many days did you do at triple cone that year then oh plenty mate plenty <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um I'm, yeah i'm pretty sure i rode triple cone mm. yeah no it was good it was, it was a, a massive eye opener um coming down south to the southern lakes Sure. That, that must be about the time where um, I think Export Gold was actually going around with this giant picture of Spy on the side of the car. Really? Of their car, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like Nick Brown later on was sponsored by Export Gold, if I remember rightly. Is that right? Yeah, Crazy. which is like the Dero's sponsored by a beer company. It's kind of... You what know, a what, score. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, we'll drink anything. Just give us the passes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most of us know you through instructing. Uh, so how did instructing get into the picture? Yeah, cool. So when I finished uni, um, I, I I used my J1 working visa to go uh, overseas. The classic. The old J1. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize how valuable that visa was and the opportunity to work in the States was because it's like it was almost like a rite of passage. If you wanted to do an OE, you can go anywhere you want. Mm. Affairs weren't that expensive. Yeah, you had to save up a little bit, but you can pretty much land on your feet and almost – any country you went to and i think a lot of kiwis might either take our passport for granted mm. or don't realize the importance of not having a criminal record mm. um is you know because when you get your visa you got to show that all that stuff about uh you know your background and your family and whether you've been arrested or not and um so yeah for kids to know that to get visas these days is really important and when you when i got my j1 i went straight to mammoth mm and it was a massive opener like to see the size of the mountains the crew that were there the and, and loads of people you could resonate with mm-hmm. um so i ended up moving in with a bunch of coaches in mammoth and uh some ski some snowboard but i would be flipping burgers on the main deck out on on the on the main lodge there at mammoth and I would just be watching people just send it off the kickers in the park, and it's like, man, one day, man, one day I'll be, I'll be able to ride like that. And was this sort of the mammoth era where grenade was blowing up and all that? Stuff? Yeah, so it was like the was heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, grenade. Um, was it Danny Cass? Was it? Yeah, mm. Danny Cass is a big part of that. Uh, and you know those guys, you know the American riffraff, and just the scene of snowboarding over there was just so. Um, evolved compared to what it was in New Zealand mm. so I, I shadowed some lessons um, on the weekends when I wasn't working for example and I uh, just got to know the sport a bit more eh? and I was like if I want to come back and spend more time in the mountains especially in places like Mammoth mm. um, or Canada or Europe or wherever it might take me I knew that if I wanted to for it to be sustainable uh, I'd need to earn some coin 
uh, and I knew what some of the instructors were earning, especially if you're teaching private lessons. And the tips you can get over in the states, for example, were um, was lucrative, right? So mm. it's like, man, if if I can do this, I can keep coming back. I can justify, <laughs> not that I had to, but I could justify to my parents and my my friends that you know I was following a profession and uh, and yeah, I, I got I wanted to get qualified as soon as I could, as mm. soon as I got back to, to New Zealand. So it seems to be that sort of occupation within the snow industry that the outsiders seem to understand. Right. You know, I guess it's everyone's probably first point, most people's first point of call, if they've ever tried it, would be being taught by an instructor. Yeah. And so. That's right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's, I mean, that's the that's the employer that many guests to the mountains will spend most of their time with. Mm. They'll spend minutes with tickets, uh, minutes with rentals, and, and they'll spend a few hours on the mountain with an instructor. So, you know, I, I was myself as a bit of a people person and I wanted to surround myself with good people mm. and um, felt like teaching was a big part about who I was and ensuring what I love to do so mm. naturally sort so of did you it. come back to New Zealand to do your instructing mm. yeah yeah uh, um, whereabouts were you doing that <clears throat> so I finished my Bachelor of Science in, uh, in, in Christchurch and then uh, I would keep coming to Wanaka in my holidays right so um, the more time I'd come to Wanaka I'd learn about what I could do here I worked as a um, fabricator engineer on the, um, my first year living in Wanaka was 2002. Oh, yeah. And I learned to be an instructor on the weekends. Oh, where were you fabricating? Uh, for aspiring engineering. Oh, right. Yeah, so I learned how to weld and uh, work with steel. And I mean, growing up on a farm, you have those skills at your back pocket, but um, I learned a bunch about steel and, um, yeah, using my hands. But, uh, I'd just be itching to get back on the board on the hills and um, mm. and yeah, res- really resonated with Triple Kind and the free riding there and I did a weekend course with Rookie Academy. Oh, right. Mm. Well, and, um, who, uh, who was your trainer? Or <laughs> Yeah, but my coaches back then were, Coach. and trainers back then were um, Dan Burden and Jim Hart, uh, Neil McNair from Europe. Um, uh, yeah, those guys uh, were already at the time pretty key figures in the snowboard industry super experienced super knowledgeable um you know the, the flow and ease of what and, and the style that dan burden had was, left a big impression on me uh jim hart's knowledge of uh, snowboarding and the technical side of things around carving especially um that left a big imprint on on me wanting to get better and just being at TC, surrounding myself with other people that wanted to get better, yeah. was huge. Yeah. Oh, so was was there anyone we'd know that was on the course with you that year? Uh, oh man! Uh, I first when I first moved to Wanaka, I did that course, and um, there was a, a, a Swissie called Bjorn, but he was in Wanaka for a for a few years. There was. Uh, a crazy Frenchie called um, uh, Reggie, uh, and he uh, and that's how I got to know like Jane Morrow. Oh yeah. Um, she she lives in Wanaka, um, but uh, yeah, not not too many people that I can remember back in the day. I was too too focused on <laughs> getting as many laps as I could with yeah. with uh, with my coaches. And so, how did you go with your um, that first year with your exams and? all that stuff do you find it quite challenging uh even though i felt like i was more of a people person um i think i took that a little bit for granted at first 
And, but I, once I learned the theory a bit more about how to teach, not necessarily what you're doing, but how to do it mm. and explaining the how and, and explaining the why, that has it's taken years and it's still mm. taking me time to finesse that. So, and the how and the why, is this like body mechanics or is this? Hmm. I think it's, uh, and, you, and you hear it every season. You see friends teaching friends, you see guys teaching the, the, the girls and vice versa how to ride and, and it's very what-driven instruction. Mm. This is what you do, follow me. Yeah. Um, it's the how, the biomechanics, the, um, the feelings and sensations you get when you get it right versus when you don't get it right. Mm. Um, it's allowing time to practice and make mistakes and that's fine, uh, but it's uh, it's just making sure that you're in a, in a place where you can walk away from that day going, yeah, I'm, mm. I want to come back. Uh, if you learn a good habit earlier on, it might save you that sprained ankle or it might save you that collarbone, you know? Yeah. 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 And then couples, train, teaching couples, that's just a, oh. that's just a, uh, a recipe that's going to blow up in someone's face it's a, later. a big test of yeah. uh, relationship resilience if you can teach your partner how to do something. I reckon I've seen quite a few in my time at Cadrona, um, couples that have probably broken up once they've left the hill. <laughs> Yeah, that's the idea of this romantic getaway down to yeah, yeah. Wanaka just turns pear shape when they save, try and save cash on yeah. lessons. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys that helped train me towards my stage one at that point were, they can only do so much in a few weeks on the mm. weekends. Um, and so it meant that I had to do a lot of teaching practice by myself at home. Um, just reading out progressions and and trying to remember the order of what happens first before you take them to the next step. Um, maybe the difference between teaching kids versus adults and what those lessons might look like. But I did my stage one at that point, which is sort of equivalent to the New Zealand level two uh, these days. All oh, um, right. So back then it was stage one, stage two, and stage yeah. two was like your full set. Right. Um, like which is the level three today. But now it's the level one, level two, level three, and then trainers right? in New Zealand. So I did my stage one, which was sort of involved everything, teaching up until linking turns uh, down the sort of easy green run or blue run. Because I, yeah. I got the impression back in the early 2000s that the New Zealand level one was worth like an American level two. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in those times. Because so, the writing standard's higher, mm, teaching standard's a bit it, higher. Is that still... The, the story today or uh so the new zealand level two um you got your teaching uh, element which is sort of linking teaching someone to link um not just link turns that's level one mm. but level two is like uh teaching people that come up to a lesson on a mountain to help them explore free riding carving or freestyle Mm. So it's, you know, your 180s in all four directions for freestyle, it's aerial awareness, it's pivoting on a box, it's uh, it's carving uh, down an easy blue run, uh, and it's uh, free riding down an easy black run. Like, that's mm. that's a pretty high level for for someone to come into in one season and be able to teach up until that standard. Yeah. Um, and that's just a teaching part. Um, there's an, an analysis section as well, which is... A written and verbal analysis and on-snow analysis. Um, so what what we do in New Zealand is uh, we assess a, a fairly high level because 
many of the international instructors that get certified at their level two will already have a, a little bit of teaching experience, maybe over the school holidays and some of those larger commercial resorts. Uh, in New Zealand, we don't have a lot of uh, space for that. There's only a couple of commercial mountains where they can get experience teaching. So people that come in and just wanted to get their instructor certification don't necessarily have a job. They might be over here on a gap year. Um, yeah, they, they need to be able to understand a lot more about the theory that goes into teaching that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so did this lead to you instructing overseas? It did, eh? Yeah. And so, so yeah, with, uh, with my stage one at that point, um, which was equivalent to today's level two, it meant that I could go and get a job in the States. Um, and I wanted to try somewhere a bit different. I knew that I could always go back to Mammoth, but I knew that Keystone were offering H2B visas. So I managed to... Um, that's, that's what I used to go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. the old HGV, yeah. yeah. Um, they were pretty easy to come by back in the day. Certainly a lot harder today. Mm. But um, Keystone was, was awesome, man, because like, you got Vale Resorts. you got heaps of big mountains over there on the I-70. You can cruise between, take clients between as well, which is quite cool. Mm. Um, and it meant that... So you could literally take your clients from Keystone to A Basin if you're that way inclined. Yeah, yeah. Or we'll take Brilliant. them to Beaver Creek or Vale. And, yeah, Brand. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I would have thought that they would have kept your Keystone, your teaching just at Keystone. Well, you'd be over there on, in your Keystone uniform. Right. Um, and you'd, and it's, it's all pre-arranged. You know, they book mm. you, and um, and if it's a request lesson, you get paid a bunch more, and, and obviously on a good wicket if you can get your clients to come back from season after season. That's mm. what the resort wants. They, they want repeat business. It's easier to maintain customers and, and generate and new then, ones. And then that's good for the instructor too, financially. Big time, yeah. yeah. So that's what to aim for is re- repeat request. Exactly, yeah, right. for sure. And people that do it year in, year out, um, you know, the guys that go to Park City and, and Aspen, they have that um, mm. that relationship with their clients that it's not just on the mountain, but they get invited to go play with them on a yacht somewhere or at their holiday mm. house in, in Hawaii. You know, it's, it's mm. pretty cool. Eh? You get to know your, your clients pretty well and, and they, they put a lot of trust in you. So I remember a couple of mates once the um, 2009 financial crisis happened mm. and they locked a lot of those jobs up for Americans, instructing and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I had a couple of mates that um, were gutted. They spent five, six years building these relationships and then suddenly couldn't couldn't go back. And, yeah. And that's yeah. when I sort of understood what you were saying there. That's the whole, mm. pay, that, that's almost the guaranteed part of the paycheck is those returning us and that's right and is that something that sort of comes down the line with doing your time or if you do your time and you and you get and you try and work your way towards is the qualifications you can um with the experience that you need to get them uh you get put in a position where you can get those jobs um i went down the road of getting my ski level one getting dual certified and ticking a few boxes so that I could work in Europe. I wanted, I really wanted to go to Switzerland and and enjoy the snow schools over there and and what came with it. And hey, shit, I mean, if I had to teach some skiing a couple of days a season, and so be it. I got to go to Europe. I got a job. It was so it was sick. Yeah. Was Switzerland quite a more of a cultural uh, shift than America as far as coming from New Zealand as an instructor? Yeah, yeah. It was I mean, traveling is really important to me, and it's a big part of who I am and and wanting to meet people from different strokes of life and, and and what it means for them to be living where they live and when I 
went to the Port du Soleil in, in Switzerland after doing some time in the States. Um, it was really cool to see so much depth. Mm. Like when they say skiing's in your blood, like it really was in their blood. Like there's so much about the industry that uh, has um, so much history. Yeah, it's nuts how much is ingrained into their culture. Like yeah, man. Even just like towns are connected by lifts almost. And yeah, totally, man. Like I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd in my my snow uniform, I'd I'd hitch over the border from France into Switzerland and get a ride with someone and often the first question that asked me is like you got any drugs on you bro <laughs> i'm like no no i'm in my, my snow school uniform I'm, I'm good i'm just I've got my got my skis and my boards already over there and he's like yeah jump in sweet man but just got to make sure because um border um border security are there today and if they if they catch anyone with drugs then we're both going down so yeah just got to know that <laughs> so yeah the the um the french and the swiss will be at the border sometimes and and they'd strip the whole car down and they'd so i remember when i i did a season at mayhoffen oh right and, and yeah, me, we and, there. Yeah. me and my friends lance we were just like the days that we went we were massive into kicker building back then hmm. and the days we were like oh let's just chill and ride we would like ride to other towns for a coffee yeah man you yeah, know yeah. it's just just how ingrained all those lifts are and shit that's you right know, and it's yeah. just nuts huh? it's hey, so you cool do that you know, I'd, I'd, often I'd have my passport and some euros and some francs in my wallet, and mm. that that would just how you'd roll. Um, and you'd you'd catch the lift from France into Switzerland and back again. And when there's when I was in Port de Soleil, there was like seven hundred kilometres of groomed runs, not to mention all the off-piste epicness. Yeah. Like if you hussed it, you could get around the twelve ski areas that all link them together. And for me to come out of New Zealand and see that. Um, and even the states and see that mm. was huge, man. So culturally, how was snowboard instructing in Switzerland at that time compared to New Zealand? Yeah, the the Swissies and and certainly Austrians they had a bit more of a grip on the difference between skiing and snowboarding, and the appreciation for what a snowboard qualification would would give you. Mm. The the French have um, taken a slightly more skier focused path, let's say. And it used to be a mentality in France, oh, if you can teach skiing, you can teach anything. Mm. And with that mentality, it's like, you know, you see people out there getting snowboard lessons from some joker on his skis. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. What's yeah. that all about? How's that work? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it has changed in, in recent years. Uh, You've got to get uh, fist points, uh, I believe, on a snowboard or... Uh, along those lines to prove that you're a, a very capable very experienced very qualified snowboard instructor um so that you can get your equivalence which allows you to to work in france mm. um but even then it's super political like yeah. you get people asking for your your proof of qualification all the time if you're working in france and uh, my first season there was with um i lived with dan burden for a little bit and um and he's a very experienced um, snowboard coach and um, and he'd uh, he'd run into those issues all the time, but it's very lucrative. Like you can earn a lot of money in France for sure. Mm. So yeah. I remember even in '06, like just uh, when I was in Mayoff and there, which doesn't sound it's well, yeah, it, it's the modern snowboarding time, and seeing instructors over there that like wouldn't ride switch, right? Whereas yeah, I was leading, like most people I knew that instructed in New Zealand would ride switch. Mm. And and it just seemed like there was a reluctance to 
embrace that part of snowboarding mm. that almost like they preferred like hard boots and alpine stances and yeah yeah that sort of thing and yeah but i mean the carving is, runs deep over there and and they've got the massive mountains and if you're mm. riding fast steep lines the idea of a duck stance for a lot of european riders doesn't really connect they don't really mm. connect with that you know they, they want to hike a peak and, and and drop in a um you know a steep line so having a forward stance projecting your body and in all your movements towards the nose of the snowboard that's that makes sense for sure mm. but um you know you, you see where snowboarding's going these days is um both directions and i mean terra is a massive testament to that mm. like winning switch races at the Bakerbank slalom. Right. i mean it's yeah. he's got yeah. for, for his age and he's, he's like he's a cat man there's mm. so many riders to look up to that that um shredding those bank slaloms and it's like that's a real test that's a real testament to good skill and good good ball control mm. i love watching um temple cummins runs on those banks in the mount baker bank slalom oh yeah yeah oh, he's just yeah. like psycho some of his calves and mm. took me a long time to appreciate a dude like that because for a long time it's like jumps tricks blah 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 yeah you know? yeah and then actually watching temple cummins ride just the video I've seen of him ride that course and then that mm. translates to his free ride parts. It's like, wow, look at yeah. how consistently solid that dude is. Yeah. And yeah. everything gets handled in the way. There's no uh, mm. around things. So. And that's the thing, yeah. hey, like when you watch a video part, you, you're watching the, those seconds from that day. Mm. If that day's footage got used of the best jump they did with the best mm. landing with the, the grab that held, held the longest, you know, you're, you're seeing the cream. When you watch someone on natural selection or, yeah, uh, you know, when, when they're coming down a bank slalom or riding switch, it's like, can you stay on your feet? Can you mm. make it look smooth? Can you, can you, can you, are you fast or are you not fast? Because mm. what's happening yeah. in between the tricks is just as important. Well, it's probably more important because it's the landing. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. count if it's not landed and totally. then the takeoff. And yeah, yeah, fully. Right um, in between. And it's that uh, versatility mm. that speaks volumes and my history of getting better and i've tried to keep that as a, a key focus in my writing coming through SBINZ and appreciating what other divisions do around the world and having the fortune to be exposed to those other divisions is um has played a big part in my development for sure mm. um so is there anywhere else you traveled overseas uh with instructing i had a couple of seasons in canada when oh. when uh i couldn't get a visa to return back to europe I was able to get a job um, at getting some pretty sweet work in Big White um, and also Whistler for a couple of seasons. Oh, nice. Um, Big White was pretty cool. Um, it reminded me of a family holiday growing up, going to Silver Star. And I still remember to this day, like, first day riding Canadian powder on a family, family holiday and just feeling all that snow just brush past my knee, mm-hmm. um, cruising off a groomer. And that... The sensation of that was one of those trigger moments that I am definitely coming back to Canada. Yeah. So getting a job in, in Big White, you know, the terrain was a little bit flat in places. There was some steep stuff for sure, but um, I was just itching to get something that challenged me a bit more with um, with pitch. But the people in, in Canada um, certainly taught me a lot and the people I surrounded myself in the snow school and uh, in the locker room and the conversations you have with those people, um, uh, yeah, it means a lot to have um, those people around you to help you get better and, and to challenge your train of thought too um, and to help you see a different perspective about why 
an organization or why a technique would be different to the one you known to be good and right all along yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of us probably don't really understand um what goes into snowboard lessons and i'm probably opening a whole rabbit hole here <laughs> yeah man and um yeah. so i was hoping we could talk about maybe we'll start with a beginner lesson like mm. what 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 goes into that and what what can the public sort of expect mm. um from from attending one for sure okay so i think a lot of it comes down to when you take a lesson if you rock up in the middle of school holidays and there's thousands of people on the mountain you and you book a group lesson which is a really good idea but you know you're going to be in a group with a uh, you know up to eight sometimes more people mm. my first lessons teaching school holidays you know i had a dozen people i had to take care of um, and when you're teaching beginners and helping people up all, all day every day it's it's pretty taxing it's pretty physical mm. work but um and a big part about how i train my crew that work with me throughout the season is trying and unless they're taking a break get them on their feet as much as you can nothing worse than seeing a group of snowboarders sitting on the side of the hill and you can tell that they're distracted and they want to get up and ride and practice and mm. and, and have a go and, and make mistakes and and eat shit but get up and try it again yeah um, and if that instructor is not there to appreciate the importance of giving it a go and actually doing it um they what goes into a, a lesson you need to that instructor needs to be flexible and versatile to the needs of the people in front of them. Um, so, and it's hard when you're first starting out. It's, yeah. it's got to be hard with like 12. Yeah. Well, it's like totally herding cats almost. Well, like. yeah. I mean, you, people that don't know how to balance by themselves on their edges, like that's a big part about um, mm. starts and balances. Um, the beginning of a lesson is uh a little bit generic to start with there's a certainly a progression you, you followed and and it makes sense to follow that progression um but for someone for a kid who's uh got a bit of a skating background or surfed and they're only there because their parents made them be there uh they're going to be on a slightly faster progression and the instructor mm-hmm. needs to, to appreciate that um but as far as a beginner lesson goes yes there's a uh there's a, a fairly uh predictable format you follow mm. with tasks and the terrain you do those tasks on um, offering hands-on versus not offering hands-on for support when you get into more intermediate and advanced lessons a lot of it comes down to good questioning mm. and finding out the history of that rider and and not just what they want to do where they want to go but um but why they want to get better mm. And if you can tap into something, whether it's the conditions on the day that are really relevant to that why, or the carve, free ride, freestyle element to it, um, you've got to be flexible um, sometimes on the run just to make that change to go, actually, you know what? It's a bit icy this morning. We're not going to work on carving just yet. Um, let's go to this blue run instead of that black run you said you wanted to ride, you know? Mm. Um, and, and having good reason to prove that that blue run is going to be really useful to their skills and development. And so is that something yeah. you're like, right, well, let's get that technique dialed <clears throat> on this blue or? Yeah, I mean, techniques yeah. never dial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's like it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's having good reason. Like you explain what you do, you explain where you're going. Uh, um, but the good instructors will have a really good uh, 
how and a really good why these mm. skills are going to be helpful to their greater goal. Mm. And how much of it would be, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, psychology? You know, it's uh, teaching lessons, particularly beginner lessons, and for someone, for an instructor who's quite experienced and it's a powder day and your buddies are out riding, mm. you got to look at that lesson through a lens that gets you curious about something. Mm. And if that, if, if being curious about fair management and uh, the psychology around what it takes for them to overcome that fear, that's that's huge to me, right? To be able mm. to to work out what like where those barriers are and what's stopping them from being the best they can be on the hill, and it's about having a conversation with them, and be, even before you go up that lift and prove to them that they've learned all their skills that have taken to this point. Mm. Um, and, and if they haven't learned how to link turns down on the beginner run and they go straight up McDougal's, it's going to be a pretty rough rough run for them. Yeah. Some people will freeze. Some people will send it. Mm. Um, and if they send it, they're going to be a, a risk for themselves and other people that are also trying to learn turns on that mm. same run. So it's it's proving to them that they, they have what it takes. Mm. Um, and, and just being patient mm. and that's what it's about yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. lot of talent on this Kadrona Snow School um, yeah. and, the, and the Triple Cone Snow School yeah, yeah it's really encouraging to see those guys um, uh, you know not just be able to do the tricks but able to exp- explain them well at all levels mm. really cool and well, I guess a lot of it for a while pre-COVID anyway was you get a lot of the best instructors from the Northern Hemisphere come down for their off season right that's and, right yeah and I think uh the whole idea of coming to New Zealand, you know, there's not many places in the Southern Hemisphere to, to work and to ride and to and get a season under your belt. Um, certainly as an instructor, you got Argentina and Chile, and those, those are cool places, and um, going there for inter-ski was epic, but the uh, the idea of coming down to New Zealand, you got to have, you know, you got to be pretty well certified and even dual certified these days uh, because a, a, a snow school really values that if you can mm. if you can jump on skis last minute and go um, smash out a ski lesson um, and uh, your supervisor sees that and appreciates that then you will get a rehire um, mm. um, certainly if you can speak another language mm. um, and but uh, you get a lot of cream coming down to New Zealand and it means that the division well like for, for example SBINZ and NZSIA the ski side there's so much talent that gets thrown into the mix and it's it's really cool to know that like you know we're pretty well highly, highly regarded in the world scene of uh, instructor certifications because because of that reason we have so many internationals come down and 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 share their goodness and and, and, that, it, and it blends into our system is that one of those things where sort of new zealand snowball instruction would be open to someone comes from america with this thing oh let's consider that or uh, so someone from New Zealand coming to the States? Oh, no, no. Like, Other like, way around. So, say we're saying, you know, like, we've got all the instructors come down for their off-seasons. We've got mm. all this talent. Is, is the body here open-minded enough to sort of hear things from other things and consider them? Or is it... Oh, yeah, or, absolutely. Or are they expected to sort of conform to how we do things? Nah, here? Not at all. Like, for example, Tony Macri uh, has been played a, a, a massive part of SBINZ and, and he's um, shared a lot of really cool ideas from the American system. Um, we've got guys like uh, you know, Dan Burden, who's 
got a, a British background. Um, ben Kinnear's come down to work. You know, he's he's a massive part of the coaching scene in, in on uh, the British on British slopes. Uh, so British um, snowboard team. Uh, it, it, yeah, it just attracts some really cool people from around the world. Um, mm. You know, even even well, Damien yeah. was coming down for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, Damien, American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, we talked about this bit off mic, and I think it'd be something to bring back up. Is every shredder at some point? I know I did. Uh, hits a wall. Yeah. And, uh, and this would be cool to talk about, like when it inevitably happens. Mm. Um, what's what's our options of dealing with that? Cool. Uh, so. Yeah, and um, inevitably you're going to find a glass ceiling that you hit, and and it takes you know a powder day or riding with a crew of mates to make it better. Mm. Uh, and people ask me like, "What's the best mountain you've ridden at?" Ridden it, and it's like, "Oh, the mountain with my friends on it, man!" Like mm. some of the best days I've had have been shitty whiteout days, but I've been with a good crew, and that's made the difference to push past those 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 days where you're like, "Oh man, no, maybe we'll just stay home today." But the mentality of Kiwis overseas is, you know, like for example in Japan or Canada or Europe or wherever, it's like 10 centimetres of fresh. You're like, sweet, better day, let's go. Like, it's, it's on. Um, and then you get yeah. the Europeans are like, oh, it's only 10 centimetres, oh, I'll stay home. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, in Japan, you get used to the, the deep days. So you need a day like that with, some, with a good crew uh, and people that can help push you mm. and if it means going out with a coach that has either been recommended or you go to the snow school and, and, and you and you try and, you know, if you get a private lesson, cool, but lots of people kind of don't want to put themselves in a position to pay for that, that's fine. Just just give it a go, man. Like, give it a go. Get get upskilled and ask questions and really challenge your coach to, to help um, you understand about biomechanics and, and push you through how you can stay on your feet and spend less time on your ass and you can do camps and you can you can get coached on weekend programs at, at more than one day mm. um and obviously yeah you know you have a few hours in the le- um in the morning or in a group lesson for sure so it's amazing what um a good day riding the whole mountain with a couple of mates can do like, oh i know yeah, it's so um, good for the soul <laughs> when benny bright was coaching that was one of the things he used to do is his riders had a a run that uh, a comp day that didn't work out it's like next day they're all just right you're falling back in love with snow one again let's just ride the whole mountain man benny uh, yeah i used to actually live with his uh with, with bo yeah, yeah. Um, she, she has so a bit of a fixture yeah yeah mm. um yeah uh so yeah spent a bit of time with benny over um, those years yeah mm. what, a, what a legend he put yeah. he has a completely different perspective on snowboarding and how to get better and it's actually quite cool mm. um having having yarns with him because it sort of bridged the gap between the instruction world and the athlete world a bit more and we both learned a lot from each other i think yeah 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 he's a good dude i used mm. to work for him uh training down in the down in the valley floor there <laughs> true yeah yeah so we um but on the side from Cadrona. yeah the Putterman's <laughs> cup what's that the Putterman's cup yeah yeah I didn't, did you, didn't did you get play? to be a part of that. Oh, but, that um, was good. Because uh, did you know Ryan, the dreadlock dude? Butterman's Cup. Um, um, American dreadlock Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah um, Ryan Pearl Wax. Mm. We go back a long way. So I'd go and work with him cool. when he was working with Benny Bright and those dudes down down there and stuff. Yeah. He's an awesome dude. Man, yeah, Benny, mm. 
Ryan, yeah, we spent a lot of time with um, Ryan in uh-huh. Colorado. Um, yeah. He used to tune my boards. and yeah. Mono Sierra. Yeah, Mono yep. Sierra. So. Um, shout out to him for sure. He's uh, mm. he's uh, a good soul to spend some time with mm. for sure. A lot of time for him. He's been listening to these too, which is Has great. He? Yeah, so oh. Ryan, thank you. And we can't have this interview without talking about the one and only Jenny Johnston. Some would say she's my mum. She'd say <laughs> she's my mum uh, her son. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's done an amazing job of taking on snowboarding. You know, getting close to sixty back in the day and going, yeah, I'm going to learn how to ride. I'm mm. going to go learn how to snowboard. And it's not just you sort of green and blue runs. No, mm. no, like she's she's out there riding. Uh, down powder keg she's out there riding the saddle in mm. TC um, there's even a video of her um, which I made back in the day of her doing a lap down snow park rad riding the boxes going oh, over the rollers oh, and jumps oh. and stuff how many how many people can say that they've got a, a rider video of their mum shredding snow park yeah rad <laughs> eh well yeah. first time I'm first time I'm she came on my radar she came into the workshop Mm. And asked us about stances, and I don't know a set of board up to what I thought was a good stance, or what you know works for me. And while we were doing that, she was she was on um, on the floor jumping around doing one eighties yeah. without her board on. Yeah, anytime, and, anywhere. Yeah, and and <laughs> we're like, oh, what? Why is why all this? She's like it's because she was learning at level two or something where you had to have 180s on like whatever that whatever the instruction yeah yeah 180s uh carving yeah free riding mm. yeah she was and the and 180s was a big big so we were on. like yeah. whoa because she was in her 60s then i think yeah yeah and we were just like whoa check her out learning backside 180s and um uh, rusty must have been with me and we we're just like that's so cool cool and um one of the rental guys came up afterwards and started trying to make a joke about what he just seen. Mm. And I'm like, mate, will you be learning 180s on backside 180s in your 60s? He's like, oh, well, you probably won't, so just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, she would appreciate that. Oh, she... <laughs> yeah, she's, she's five foot something, and yeah. she, you know, she rocks up to her left line. And, um, yeah, and yeah, she's got this uh, colourful... Never summer board um, with parrots all over it, and she loves it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, she's um, she's she froths on it, man. She 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 gets. The, she's still shredding now. Yeah, yeah she she'll right. be up there at Cadorna. In fact, she's actually going to be um, doing a little bit of host work. No way. Up at Cadorna this season. Red. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's always a pleasure when she comes in the workshop. Yeah. There there was one year where she was like worried about my health or something, and started showing up with apples and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like she's got a. Their garden is amazing. They do it. My my dad um, is actually Rob Johnston, not the Rob Johnston you've been talking to, but uh, Rob and Janie, my parents, they um, they've got an amazing garden and they 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 give fruit to heaps of people. It's pretty cool to hear to see that. Yeah, Brad, I'm so stoked she's still riding, man. Yeah, because it is one of those things that uh, it left an impression on all of us. We're like, wow, she's how old and learning when we we've got no excuse. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Yeah, yeah, she she values health and fitness, and she's out there moving. Um, I rarely see her driving these days. She's always on a bike. Um, my dad as well. Um, yeah, mm. fitness and health is super key for them. Does yeah. Rob snowboard as well? Uh, he's actually never been on a snowboard. I don't think. Um, oh, right. He actually. I mean, 
being the dairy farmer and beekeeper and beef farmer growing up, um, mountains were far from his upbringing. So mm-hmm. for him to come down to Wanaka is, was pretty brave and, and to take on the lifestyle down here. And so he's, he's into biking in a big way. Mm. Um, and he even did a few laps on a on a snow bike um, right. back in the day up at Cardi's. And, and he enjoyed that for a little bit. But yeah, it's... Uh, but even with his health uh, and both their health at the moment, they got to look after it, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, they just they mitigate risk <laughs> the best they can. Yeah. Ah, cool. And a lot of um, a lot of us will associate you with um, bank slalom competitions. Uh, so, <clears throat> how did bank slaloms get into the picture? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've uh, certainly been enjoying them since I can remember riding up at TC. Uh, I I did a bank slalom at TC, I can't remember when, but I'd be, again, looking for opportunities to surround myself with other riders that were really good and uh, and just watch them ride and, and see them shred. And I knew that a bank slalom was the only competition I felt comfortable being part of because they, they were so welcoming to lots of abilities. Mm. You know, Junior Nationals has its place. That's awesome. You know, Winter Games and the and obviously up to the Olympics, you've got to be really good at what you do. But a bank slalom has there's that, that soul in the sport that is so long-lasting. Mm. And for me to be up there with and surround myself and actually get some laps in and sit mm. on the chair lift with the people like Tom Wilmot and, uh, and uh, other New Zealand pros like, you know, Denny Bevan and... Uh, Nick Hine and or you know, any any other guys that would be part of these these bank yeah. slaloms was just yeah that was that was epic for me it was it mm. was so cool to watch them ride and to work out where I was where I was sitting and if I had a shot and mm. I remember what that bank slalom I did it was a wide out and I ate shit I went over the nose did it um, probably my first tame dog in a bank <laughs> slalom and but I, I somehow got on my feet it kept going kept doing some turns and I made top ten. And I was like, man, what? I did a, a crash and I might have a chance if I don't do that next time. So the motivation for getting better and to not make mistakes um, and, to, and to work out how to be more fluid over my edge was, was really important to me. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, sweet. And um, so there's a few uh, being slain on competitions around. Um, we've got the TC, Mount Hutt and Coronet being slams, and they all have very different... Um, I guess vibes for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, vibes are, are very as, different. As yeah. someone that's competed in all of those big mm. slalom events, could we talk about each one? And we'll start with TC because that's the most established oh, one. By far my favourite. Uh, yeah, again, it tracks people from all the mountains in the area, even the international teams that come down when you know, waters are open. Mm. Pre-COVID, you get the likes of the Burton team come down, the Swiss mm. team that would be here for winter games. They'd be there on their day off and having a go. Mm. And, you know, t- to be able to say in, in ride in, a, in an event with Terrier and Mikael Bang and Ben Ferguson, mm. I never, I didn't know about Ben before riding in that Bang Slam. And, man, he had some serious style. Mm. He rocked up without even scoping the course and only doing one run and he was literally split seconds behind Mikel. Wow. And for me to know that and to see him ride and to see Mikel ride and 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 to be within a couple of seconds of Terry, like that was fucking cool. Like mm. and 
just yeah again it was the one of the best days of snow i've ever had is to, mm. to see these guys shred um on my home mountain and uh and it, to, to get your name on the cutlery here trophy at tc is a, a pretty mm. special mm. uh achievement i reckon and um and for the girls as well that shred down the, the same course as we do mm. um any of the groms um yeah it's pretty cool yeah so you mentioned there's a lot of internationals um Hit up um, the TC Bank Slalom, you know, Terrier, Mikhail, all those dudes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there was a certain um, Scandinavian rider that came down and I've been asked to ask about your motivation for beating him at a bank <laughs> slalom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Alec. Mm. What's his last name again? Ostrom. Oh, Ostrom, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, to, to beat someone like that, to know that he was a pretty pretty strong rider in the park and it's like man if i can beat a pro fuck yeah that'd be mm. awesome and it was a bit of banter it was just all, all, all good and fun but um yeah and to to be on the podium and and uh and to take care of that and to to congratulate christy afterwards and go oh okay well done on your race <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, what's up? Oh, now we're looking through the looking glass. Aren't we? <laughs> oh, you know, uh, everyone has a crush on riders these days, mm, you know. But mm. no, it was a while ago. But it was all good fun and and uh, but yeah, just to, to rub shoulders with pros and and to see guys and girls rip down the course. Mm. That's pretty cool. So you know, at the Coronet one, how you got Snowball Corner and it's kind of gnarly. Yeah, yep. So he was the only one I've seen. He rocked in because you normally hit that corner with no speed. You know, you're just relying on your pull out to get, you know. Yeah. It'll be nice to hit that corner a lot faster. Yeah. So he came on with no speed, but still managed to slash everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. For sure. Just like, we're just like, check that dude out. Yeah. Like, but the start gate's mm. all wobbly, and mm. the and then the crew up there make a pretty fun course. It's awesome. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the crew behind it uh, make a real big effort with how much passion they put into this into that event mm. um but you know like like denny said and that's it, the the snowball vibe is gets cool you know it's all mm. part of the fun but when you get ice chunks literally landing in your lap when you're going <laughs> 30 40 k's yeah. an hour there's always it's not ideal <laughs> there's always a dickhead corner the one after snowball corner that yeah. sort of takes it a bit too far yeah but, um dickhead but, corner yeah, yeah maybe yeah um yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's um and you know you, you want to stay on your feet you know mm. everyone wants to stay on their feet to a degree and 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 the guys that go fast and do well stay on their feet and, mm. and that's what it's about I'm, I'm not entirely sure i've completed a single run there at that competition yet <laughs> just a of the carnage and shit yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. fully but I, mean, yeah. I guess it's a nice um a nice um opposing dynamic to the tc one Oh, for yeah, sure. Um, and it's the most casual mm-hmm. event I've ever been in. And I think snowboarding needs to be reminded of that sometimes with how much competitive nature there is in the mm-hmm. sport to have a lightheartedness vibe to mm-hmm. a, an event, which all these bank slums do. Mm-hmm. Even the Mount Hutt one's super fun. Like the guys up there, um, Cheapskates run that one. And um, with uh, the crew up Mount Hutt, they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be awesome to have a uh, circuit. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is a bit of a circuit, so the New Zealand tour, so to speak. Um, there's even one up in Turo. Really? Yeah. Right. They do a bank slalom up there. Sick. Um But uh, yeah, it's 
unfortunately, being a pro on a circuit doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, so, but man, it's good times. Because yeah. was it the? I think the year I first was introduced to you um, by Claire Durney was, um, and she was so disappointed that I didn't complete a run. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I got the not mad but disappointed. Oh, brutal. Yeah, Um, yeah. I was like, "Do you not see that ice chunk hit my face?" (laughs) Yeah, fully. Um, Anyway, we're going off topic here. Um, I remember you shared the podium with Jody Blatchley, which was pretty rad. Yeah, Jody's a legend, man. mm. Um, He's given so much as a sport over the years, and um, yeah, a lot of people look up to him for sure. Mm. Um, I think this was the time where he was coaching the um possum and steffi that's right for the olympics and, yep yeah yep. um and and he was a sick rider i looked up to him you know like um i remember watching him on a video in the states it's like dirty park rat uh or something like that and i was like man he's, he's shredding and he's you know around 40 years old Fuck yeah, it's, it's so sick you know mm. like well hopefully i can ride like he he does um when I turn 40 and I'll be 40 this year so Mm. hopefully uh, I can um, yeah get more laps of him Um, even on a sit ski he's doing an incredible job um, after his injury pretty rad how he um, took to that after a while and started getting air out of the pipe and yeah when when no one else was on those things that's right and I think he and his his he sort of paved the way for people like Corey Peters a little bit or at least had an influence on Corey um, to to sort of push that sit ski scene a bit more, mm. um, and you know he's such an inventor and he's, his brain works so well. He's he's welded from scratch quad bikes at Kadrona, right? Yeah, so, so I've seen those up yeah. at Kadrona, and so it's mm. it's a brain like his, um, and it, um, that helps. And he's curious, and that's what it takes mm. to be a good coach. You got to be curious about your passion um, yeah. and what you do with your hands and how you create something cool with it. Yeah. Mm. And we can't talk about bank slaloms without talking about Will Jackways. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, look up to him for sure. He's a, I think, um, yeah, seeing seeing the work that he does on his board and and the interviews he has with likes of Tim Pierce and and the story he shares with snowboarding and his whole philosophy is uh, is uh, yeah so so reassuring to know that he's that people look up to someone like him. Mm. Um, his outlook on snowboarding and what snowboarding given him, um, it's and, and his family, mm. it's um, it's inspiring being around him and having yards with him is, is always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Was, he's kind of your favourite pro's favourite pro. Yeah, and uh, he'd be embarrassed to hear me say that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, I mean, I watched Torstein fan out on him. Yeah, fucking Torstein. Really? Yeah. Oh, really, and, um, that's so cool and I'd watch his I'd watch his writing and go how can someone as tall as he is uh, and he's not a he's not a massively built guy but mm. what he can do on his board and how light he can be on his feet mm. that's always something that I've wanted to get in my own writing is how can I be lighter on my feet um, mm. you know I'm pushing 90 kilos and, mm. and I'm like man I'm not Sometimes like I feel quite heavy on my board, and like mm. and being light on my feet is is um, certainly something I search for. Well, he's one of those yeah. dudes we're talking about before. It's like they're just as good to watch between the tricks. Yeah, but his pop is fu- like yeah. I've, I've followed yeah, him yeah. around a few times, and mm. you know, there's certain things where it's, 
if he says it's sweet, it's like, yeah, it's sweet for you. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. His timing's um, impeccable, hey? Like, yeah. He the craft of his ollie. I don't even know if he's had many injuries over the years either. So I don't know, touch no, wood. Touch wood for him. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah. But was, I remember just following him around, and he'd, like, pop these ollies off bumps, but he'd have his board up neck high, mm. and you'd give your... Like that, Rad, I'm gonna get some too, and then you like get like a foot high. You're like, oh, damn, that's not. Yeah, well, it, pop. It's like, um, you know, that muscle to weight ratio. He's you know very he's a very strong, um, strong guy. That he just has this this finesse, um, uh, and truly understands what you put in, how you can get out on um that, that performance on his board. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I've been told to ask you about the Neil Edgeworth Bank Slalom. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know Neil Edgeworth personally, but a few a lot of the guys I rode with in Canada did. Uh, he they named the Bank Slalom after him. I think he was he was killed in an avalanche in France, but uh, he was a key figure for the scene in in Canada. And I thought it was fitting that they they named Bank Slalom after him and. And what a bank slam it is! It's, it tracks uh, I think over two hundred and fifty riders from all over Canada, mostly, um, and it happens a big white, and it happens over two days. You all meet together the evening before it all happens, and the evening after the first run, and everyone gets to see their times. Um, and yeah, I've done it a couple of years. We road trip out from Whistler and do that when I worked there, and. It's, so uh, is there a lot of like heavies from Canada riding there as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, a lot of uh, border cross um, athletes would, would maybe do it. Um, but all, it's, um, they have to stick in the pro division for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, legends like John Shelley out of Whistler. He, he'd come over with his team and do it. Um, he's a Kiwi actually in Whistler. I, was um, say, I thought that name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah very, very talented, very knowledgeable, very philosophical um, snowboarder um, a lot of time for um, but yeah he's a um, it, it was always good to go do that event um, and to, to podium that was awesome um, mm. good time we've got a bit of a guest question here from Keith Stubbs hey Tony and Richie Stubbsy here Richie I've got a three part question for you <laughs> please start off and tell us why you only have one kidney also a little bit of um background as to what that experience would like to go through and how that experience has changed your approach to leading a healthy lifestyle since thanks nice one <laughs> cheers Dozzy. um another shredder and friend i've got a lot of time for uh nice one um yeah i donated my kidney to my dad eight years ago and it's meant that he was able to not be on dialysis anymore due to chronic kidney disease, which can happen to anyone. Um, and uh, I guess a lifestyle with salt and and uh, yeah, poor diet in general would lead to kidney disease. So uh, my kidney was, or both kidneys were um, healthy in size and and had good blood flow. I was a um, a blood type match and a tissue type match with my dad. Um, which meant that I could um, give him my left kidney and it's been great. He's able to keep doing what he loves to do and and to see him stop taking dialysis, um, stop being on dialysis was it was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, I was it was actually it happened 
mm-hmm. uh, just before I went to um, work in Whistler for the season. Um, but uh, it meant that I was competing in the, in the Edgeworth, nearly Edgeworth Bank Slalom six months later. And yeah, to, to win my class at my division was, was epic. Um, and it was a massive testament to like dedicating um, a lot of training and focus on health and um, what it took to get strong again um, to the next level. But it's, uh, it's yeah, we, we I feel, feel great. Like I, uh, I can, you can function quite perfectly with one kidney and just looking after your health and well-being is a big part of that. Mm. Um, good times. Oh, well, then thank you, Keith, for that question. <laughs> well, we've, we've sort of brought him up. Keith Stubbs is... Um, you guys have been associated together for quite a while. How, how long have you known Keith for? Uh, we did our trainer's exam back in the day. I think it was, that was in 2006. And he was based up in the North Island, um, being part of the snow school up there. Um, and he decided to come down to the South Island and um, do some work for Katrina and, and actually Rookie Academy as well. Um and yeah, just another another shredder who who loves to travel and uh, very experienced, particularly in traveling and, and coaching in Japan. Um, he's even a, a part co-author on a um, a travel book for Japan for snowboarding, so and skiing. So that's yeah, he's very knowledgeable when it comes to that. We're actually business partners as well as friends, and we. Uh, yeah, we travel loads together and work loads together. It's it's uh, he's, yeah, he's a he's a he's a mm, he's, he's a become stellar guy. Quite a fixture <laughs> in the New Zealand snowboard yeah community. Oh, his uh, his, his brain spins hard. <laughs> so does he um, yeah. does he show up at the Bank Salem's alongside you as well? Yeah, yeah. And is, is there a bit of a fucking yeah, thing? What, what, what wax you? Um, <laughs> um, there, yeah, there's always a bit of um, banter between us when it comes to Bank Salem's and. Um, he actually played in with Terrier in the Masters division back in the day at TC. Oh shit, that's gonna be a highlight for anyone. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. definitely. Wow, like, um, the photo of him standing next to Terrier is so funny. Eh? He's so smitten. It's like, oh my god, I'm standing next to Terrier. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. if you belong to a certain generation of snowboarding, that's like the pinnacle. Like that's the dude, right? Yeah, and, fully. Yeah. yeah. No, no, he's, uh, he's got a lot of time for him. He's a massive contributor to the snowboard education in New Zealand. Um, the, the resource videos that we've produced together and with our team, with the tech team, um, particularly this last season, of uh, they're going to be awesome. Mm. Be a game changer for the, the sport, mm. teaching the sport. Um, one person I wanted to ask you about was Tim Pierce. You ended up living with uh, probably one of the more prominent snow filmmakers that this country's produced for a while. In general, awesome human, Mr. Mm. Tim Pierce. Yeah, he's uh, he's not many people know that he was actually um, swam competitively back in the day. Oh, he kept that out of his interview too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and right. he's and he's a uh, um, he still gets involved in a lot of lake swimming, and he, he's he's uh, so humble and so. Um, so chill like you, you wouldn't think that he what he does is world class mm. um well, swimming isn't world class but as certainly as filmmaking is mm. um he's very good at what he does and i think that the time he put into the wells family back in the day with his mm. filming um producing mm. producing that 
um, and the story of the Wells family is um, was just the beginning of what he's doing now. Mm. You know, working with Toby and and, and what they're able to produce to be at the bed so um, is incredible. Mm. Yeah, really. Um, it was cool living with him and just uh, seeing the sort of the depth of what he was pulling off. Was so awesome. was this right at the start of his <clears throat> formative sort of filmmaking years or? Oh no, this is uh, no, this is only about um, I don't know six years ago. Oh right, yeah, oh, cool. So yeah, oh, you would almost had a sneak peek to quite a few of the projects. And yeah, it was as he was starting, um, getting yeah, just before the beards came about, just as as he was getting into business with Toby. Mm. Yeah, wow, cool. And another person I think would be cool to bring up is um, the guy that runs Cadrona Snowball School, Kyle Castoris. Yeah, double chunk. <laughs> double chunk. <laughs> I don't know if he, he likes being called that, but he um, he um, he's a he's a big unit. Mm. Um, quite a quite a um, quite a presence when you meet him, and he's a supervisor of the um, snow. But uh, he's got a lot of experience in the in in the snow industry, particularly at Cadrona. And Park City, um, American, um, but yeah, love hearing stories of him hanging out with the band members of Metallica, and um, that's right. He's uh, yeah. he, he's taught a few. He's taught a lot of really interesting people over the years, and and uh, and hung out with them a lot. Um, and yeah, got a lot of time for him. Yeah, yeah, good mm. dude, eh? Yeah. yeah, he came back with it might have been like Tom Morello stories or something. One year, yeah. Like, Fucking yeah. What? What? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Oh man, you. I mean, you always you work end up working with some interesting people in the snow school, but man, I'm sure he's got some stories this year, eh? Yeah, we might yeah. have to might have to see if he's uh, willing to take the hot seat. Yeah, year. I know, right? Just have a list of like celebrities you have taught. For sure. <laughs> I mean, he's been a fixture and snowboard instructor in New Zealand for such a long time, mate. Like, yeah, he has. He has. Um, and when he's you know, taking a lead role in in a very successful and very um, well recognised snow school in New Zealand, up at Kadrona. He they've done an amazing job with what they're doing there, and, and they lead an amazing team. Um, even through the COVID um, and pandemic, they've done a great job up there. And he might seem like a a really confront or intimidating guy with just his sheer size, but he's always at those results. Um, supporting the crew that passed their certifications and mm. even the people that weren't successful down there and he's always uh, making sure that he's there to, to um, you know for people to talk to and mm. and I, I think it can be a little misunderstood eh? just, mm. just because to... someone's size and, and, and presence yeah. doesn't mean that they yeah. uh, it's good that, that he and Rach are, are a big asset to Kadrona for sure mm. yeah it's funny just neighbours I should be like hey Kyle come down and fucking <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's up the road yeah uh, so instructor training, how did that all come about? Um, so the when you get your certifications, you you work your way through from level one, level two, level three, and then trainers, and um, if that's the direction you want to head in, um, there's also a coaching pathway as well. But when it comes to the, the certifications I did, I was fortunate in a way that because of my the shadowing I did with those lessons in Mammoth and the people I surrounded myself with, I was able to pass. Um, these certifications and all in consecutive years um which Keith's told me is quite a rare thing yeah it is um and you very rarely see someone pass their 
level three the first time, let alone trainers, mm. let alone the season after each other. So as cool as it was and it meant that I was able to, you know, get the pay rise and get these opportunities to be a trainer, I knew that I came through that system pretty quick mm. and I knew that I didn't have a lot of teaching experience. Uh, and it meant that my one season teaching from a snowboard school in New Zealand prior to getting my trainers, which was actually at Coronet Peak, um, which was a rad season. Mm. But um, it meant that when I got my trainers and I was on track to be an examiner of instructors, so once you get your trainers, you're then invited to be an examiner. You shadow exams and then you get the all clear. Uh, I actually had a bit of an imposter syndrome for a, a couple of seasons, feeling that I, I wasn't up to spec and I, I, I shouldn't be where I was. So is it generally, say you get your level two, you do a few seasons before you do your level three and mm. up the ladder sort of thing? Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and you know what I was able to produce in the day, and my exam was above and and in some cases beyond what I needed to show to pass my writing and to pass my, my teaching and my, my training sessions. So, uh, yeah, it took a couple of years for me to really, like, know my place mm-hmm. in the examining team, um, and I was so green. And I, but I knew as my writing and uh, you know, my carving, my free writing, and, you know, my freestyle for some part was certainly beyond the standard, mm. but my training and my ability to run a, a group um, only re- I only really got that experience and that comfort to lead a training group based on the likes of shadowing other professionals in my, my field like Jim Hart and Jeremy Coombs those guys were like instrumental in me coming through um, mm. big key figures Adam Dooney um, Claire's partner um, yeah like the, those guys are yeah, played a huge role in me just constantly challenging me to 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 work out what to do next and and to how to make it better mm. um and when you get a team like that that backs you that's pretty key so i'm assuming the criteria to pass your instructor training is pretty heavy it is uh, yeah, yeah it is uh and for good reason you know like you, you the pay is, is good the the level of coaching and training that your candidates expect these days is really high so there's a lot at stake if you if, if say some someone slipped through the cracks and got their trainers but they're not up to par then there's a lot at stake through the whole industry yeah What's there, there is i mean like? if you're whether you're an in-house mountain trainer yeah uh or you are on track to be an examiner for sbinz or any other certification mm. for that matter it's it's um there's a high standard like so and, did, yeah did you go to did you do the examining as well yeah so what's yeah. the difference between i'm a totally outside of looking at yeah, this for sure what's the difference between instructor training and then instructor examining okay so a lot of people come down from overseas that will do a season training and to learn how to be an instructor so a, a trainer will help them on their pathway to achieve their level one level two and even their level three uh, an examiner um, has had some training experience. Um, they understand pedagogy and um, teach to teach. They understand a very high level of rider analysis and how to run a session on a mountain. Um, 
at that point it's more about being able to run a session for the your peers and mm. challenge them using uh, a lot of coaching to to help people tap into their potential so it's not just about training instructors it's about having the ability to challenge your peers as well so that's and, and if you can't train your peers and that they can see through the bullshit like if, yeah. if you're not up to spec if you're not if you don't understand biomechanics to a high enough level or you don't understand how your board edges first in the turn and how you balance and build pressure under the side cart and and how steering works and your body and how it moves down to the the board that you're steering on then yeah it's uh you can see through it you mm. know um so that rider analysis component that teach to teach component um yeah it's pretty high standard mm. Mm. and um so is there a relevance with say freestyle tricks and snowboard instruction is there a level that that comes into play a bit more so i remember when i first started working mm. at cadrona yeah yeah um and i was in food and beverage i knew nothing about anything and so I was shocked to find, what, instructors don't do 360s? What the fuck? Because mm. that was what my mark of, that was my mark of what a good rider was. And then I was yeah, shocked yeah. to find that that wasn't the thing. But obviously now in hindsight that I totally understand why. Mm. Is there a point in snowboard instruction where freestyle tricks become a bit relevant or is that a completely separate thing? Okay, so it used to be quite separate. Back in the day, you didn't have to do be able to do, uh, you know, 180s and um, certainly 360s at that higher level. Mm. Um, that was sort of the freestyle certification pathway, and it was you know the good coaches in the in the team would run those certifications for freestyle, and that was it. Um, so, in the majority of the lessons that go out of the mountain. Um, these days are predominantly beginner lessons and low intermediate lessons like mm. that's that's the the bread and butter of the mountains you know earning potential so that's the reason why the stage one was split into the level one level two so that that people can come in and do a gap season and get their level one understand how to teach and help those guests of the mountain turn for the first time and have a great time mm. and anything beyond that was a bonus yeah right so if you can if you can show a great picture and teach it well to learn how to turn, then you are delivering an excellent product to, you know, the majority of the customers that come for a snow sport, a snow school lesson. So, but yeah, I mean, if you can spin a three and be able to teach it, that's certainly what level three is about, you know. Right. Um, 180 is certainly level two. Uh, and yeah, 360s in both directions for, for level three, um, both in the park and out of the park too. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, it's, so what was, did we answer what the motivation for that becoming part of the snowboard instruction side of things was? Um, or yeah. Or should I ask that? Uh, what, for freestyle specifically? Yeah, like like level level three probably existed before freestyle was a big thing. Right? Yeah. So what was the, what initially was the inspiration behind level three adopting freestyle tricks? Cool. So it was important that we drip feed freestyle throughout the whole progression. Mm. Someone rocking up to a beginner lesson wanting to learn how to turn, but they're a bunch of kids from a skating background mm. and they want to learn how to ollie. Mm. Hell yeah, I'll teach them how to ollie. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's not in the progression, but freestyle is really important to those kids and they mm. want to come back because of freestyle, right? 
So you need to be able to do an ollie well and do a 50-50 on a box for, to be able to get your level one certification. So our, the goal of SBINZ is to blend in freestyle all the way through the progression, all the way through the levels, um, so that you can not only um, uh, teach it, but you can ride to that level and show a, a demo a little bit more than that um, um, to show you know comfort and confidence in the park. Oh, sweet. Yeah, man. Oh, well, a bit of a different subject matter now. I've been told to ask what the story is behind the scar on your cheek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was in Whistler. I was shredding with a really good buddy back then, uh, Chris Kupski. Um, really good dude, an incredible artist, amazing rider. And, we're, yeah, we're shredding to the trees, enjoying some of the lower mountain runs. You know when you get a powder out in Whistler for those people who've been there? And the snow's dry, the snow's good, and it's tempting to go up there, up on the high alpine. But we wanted to ride the trails lower mountain on the Blackcomb side that don't typically get ridden much. Mm. A lot of the bike trails were covered in snow, and because you get a bike trail covered in snow, it's kind of like a bank slalom. <laughs> <laughs> so how could I resist? Mm. We had a, had a mint time. Um, we were... Cruising down a run, it was a one of these mountain bike trails, um, which went into a bit of a, a hole in a riverbed. And my buddy Chris, he rode into that hole, uh, and I came through a gap in the trees and didn't see him until the last minute. And um, he was like, "Oh shit, Richie's coming! I got to get out of this hole before he hits me." And I come through the gap and I looked down and I couldn't stop. And he's right there. He's almost out of the hole, but by that stage, his heel edge was at eye level, oh, and right. I come fanging through this gap and smash my face into his heel edge um, and get a bunch of stitches. Um, I'm right, right at the bottom of the mountain holding my face up to my uh, with my hand and, uh, yeah, get a bunch of stitches. I had a concussion and I wouldn't wish that on anyone, especially the concussion. Yeah. Yeah. So that affects you for quite a while, concussion? Oh, a little bit. Mm. I know concussions affect people in, in different ways. Um, some are a lot more long-lasting than others, um, but uh, not even the helmet would um, would stop this. Um, I'm just mm. lucky I didn't smash my teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many stitches? Oh, at least a dozen. I can't know. But the cool thing was uh, he took them out. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he took the stitches out afterwards uh, once it was all healed up. But, you know, working in the ski industry, any any scars that are exposed to, to sun and at the elements don't heal as well as they could, and... You know, you can try real hard to protect that, but um, yeah, a little bit of a battle scar. Mm. But mm. Um, but uh, you know, everyone has them for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of um, a lot of people associate you with the Rookie Academy. Can we talk a bit about what that was? Uh, yeah. So Rookie Academy historically been primary ski, and back in the day when the exchange rate was mint and had loads of Brits down in New Zealand, uh, more snowboarders would do it too. Um, Dean and Garrett um, have given me a lot of opportunities over the years to practice my passion and, and to, to shred at Triple Cone. That's been very, very cool uh, them to help me on my professional pathway. I did my first season with rookies as obviously a trainee in 2004 and then had the opportunity to work for them as a trainer under the wing of Jim Hart in 2006. So up until three years ago, I worked for 
for rookies and had a, had a blast while doing it. Um, and even though it was a sort of primary ski, we still had a bit of a snowboard crew. Um, the Europeans that would be down, like Ben Kinnear and um, um, Neil, like, yeah, that, those guys were, it was, it was rad just to, be, just to be sitting in the locker room with those guys, mm. um, hearing their stories and hearing the, the technique from lands afar, you know, and, mm. and what it meant, what the, how, how the industry has taken shape over there and what it meant to them. Yeah. And not just snowboarding as well, but the ski trainers as well. You know, if you're in a locker room with people that are sort of world-class ski trainers, it's, it's, it's rad, man. Like, you, you learn so much from them, um, mm. even if they're on skis. And, yeah. and understanding their culture of skiing and has given me a really nice, well-rounded picture of the industry. Mm. And I think if you get really tuned into your own craft and you don't appreciate the other crafts out there and, and, and find out what it means to them to be excellent, um, you're holding yourself back. Mm. Um, so surrounding yourself with people from all walks of life is, is key. Yeah. Yeah, and rookies gave me that opportunity. And, you know, snowboarding's um, not such a, a part of them these days. Um, it's, it's primary ski, and um, but it's, it's, we're stoked to know that we can do snowboard camps up at Cadrona now instead, mm. which is cool. So it's rookies um, pretty much what ITC is to Cadrona. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah it is, but they focus more now on skiing improvement, right? And um, camps with international trainers towards um, international qualifications like the Canadian and American and um, British right. qualifications at triple kind, right? Um, whereas what we're doing at Cadrona is more week long camps mm. um, focused on uh, terrain specific or um road improvement camps yeah hmm. oh, cool and we're going to talk about um some pretty prominent females in the snowboard side of things and um mm. a, a name that sort of got brought up before we need to bring back up is claire dooney probably one of the only people to make me blush in the staff room ever <laughs> classic uh, anyway claire <laughs> good dooney on good on her yeah an absolute um star hey like you know she's got a um uh, solid riding style. She's um, she's uh, on the tech team. She's um, uh, the vice president of NZSIA. She's not only um, an examiner, but she's um, played a, a key role in giving the snowboard division a, a really strong voice um, with an NZSIA, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it's it's great to have her be an influence to other female riders as well. Um, and we couldn't have this chat without acknowledging the other females in the industry that have played a key part in what they're doing. Mm. Um, it's we, we, The industry wouldn't be what it is without the female riders and coaches that have a lot to offer. Mm. Um, yeah. That shine a different perspective on coaching and training and um, they bring psychology and, and biomechanics into it and, and how um, it's it can be different. Um, and... Yeah, they all bring us down to earth sometimes, don't they? Mm. Well, you look at the uh, snowboard school at Cadrona, and that's it's not a boys' club yeah, up there. Not it's, at all. I, I don't know what the ratio would be, but there's a lot of a lot of girls teaching and shredding now, which is rad to see. For sure. Um, did you uh, speaking of powerhouse 
female riders, Rachel Newton. Yes, yeah. Rach, um, so much energy mm. and, uh, and, and again, passion for the sport um, got me hooked uh, into more border cross back in the day. Mm. And she got me on my first um, border cross board and um, helped me towards the Winter Games. Uh, I got injured, unfortunately, um, but she's um, played a big role in, in coaching at Cadrona and, and helping the youngins back in the day achieve the best. Mm. But she's in Canada now, I think. So yeah, yeah. Red Mountain. Red Mountain, mm. that's it. Yeah, she's so probably um, got all the best line style. <laughs> yeah, we'd love her to run yeah. one of our camps and and, and Red. Um, we we might have to do that one day. Yeah, mm. Got to go back to Red. Well, she's had such a a bigger influence, and she probably realises like JJ Raywood and Tim Herbert. You know, they're two prominent riders now, and. Um, both Rachel Newton prodigies, mm, yeah, and, and it, it, it's easy to forget that like they've just got like Tim Herbert's this total dirty jib rap monster, but incredibly then, good on his board, man. And then he his shows edge up control at bank slalom, cleans up the bank slalom, exactly, right? yeah. You know? And he probably hasn't yeah. waxed, and mm. uh, <laughs> you know yeah. he just he just rocks up, um, and is just yeah super athletic, and yeah the 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 habits and the training that you know people like Rach gave. Mm people like Tim back in the day is, is shown. And then the same with JJ. Like, just look at how yeah. that dude uses his edges. It's like, yeah. damn, that's Rachel Newton For sure. right there. And and both those dudes acknowledge that too, which mm. is rad. It's coaches like that, that sometimes, if you know, if you're a guy in the industry and, and, and you know, you have your part, whatever it is, whether you're a pro rider or a, a high-end trainer, sometimes you have to give that shoulder tap mm. to people, not just the guys, to go, oi, do your level three workshop, do that next event, but also shoulder tap the girls and go, hey, you know what, you've got what it takes. Do a workshop. Mm. Do that women's camp that SBI and Z are doing. Um, you know, do that uh, kid cert to help you um, evolve your skills because you could be a trainer one day. You know, and I think it's really important if you reach a level in your profession to pay it forward in some way mm. and, to, and to go and to acknowledge the skills that people have and go, no, nah, you can do better than that. You know, there's a place for you here. Mm. Um, just send it as, as best you can. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. And did you know Liz Mays at all? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we worked yeah. together at Rookie Academy. Even her partner, Nick, um, both incredibly exceptional humans, even their, uh, even their kids are. Um, they live in Christchurch now. Uh, mm. And they had uh, their time in Wanaka. They started Bandit. That's right. You know, bandit yep. headwear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. My mum's still got one of her face masks. Yeah, yep. same. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, they, they, they're living large and um, living the, their best life in Christchurch. But yeah, Liz is uh, an, an amazing writer. Back in the day, she was um, a, an athlete and back and border cross. And uh, Nick's a surfer out of California, but mm. brought that flavour into the mix with rookies. Mm. It was pretty cool to have that. She, got pretty high up in the structing circles for the time did she or? yeah yeah she was examining up to level two standard i believe right. yeah um and and that's yeah that's what what happens you know you, you 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 do your level one exams and you build experience and you shadow the next level and uh and you find you find out what it takes to, to run that level two course and um and then after a couple of seasons yeah yeah you work your way up uh sometimes kids come into the mix and 
you know, they start their families and, and that's great mm. and that's fine. And we've seen um, people like uh, uh, Claire come back into the industry afterwards, mm. after a few years off, and um, it's great to have them back. Yeah, oh, cool. And while we're on the subject of instructing, um, or all things related to instructing, can you tell me what the Interski NZ demo team is? Yeah, uh, Interski is, happens every four years. It's a, an international gathering of snow sports professionals, ski, tally mark, snowboard, and we all meet up. Uh, all the representatives from each um, organisation meet up every four years. And the um, first one I did was in Argentina, and then in Bulgaria uh, three years ago, and then we have a tech team which I'm part of, and we're still yet to decide how that's going to play out with the next ski, which is in Finland. Have so, a, what's hmm. involved with being on a tech team? Like, what, as a rider, yep. What, what do you have to do? So, it's important for our organisation to make sure that our resources are developed every year for the benefit of our membership. And part of that is making sure that we have a, a team of people that uh, show strengths in different areas, not just on snow. So yes, they have to be a good rider. They have to be technically correct, so to speak, um, and have you know good style to go with it. They need to have a good training prowess. They need to have good presentation skills. And every four years we go through a selection to help uh, not just the trainers the people that have passed their trainers exam. But this year, uh, a couple of years ago, we opened it up to people like Jamie Middleton, uh, who's uh, on her level three. Mm. And she was outstanding. Mm. Um, her stepping up to the plate and having a, a, a stronger female representative on our tech team this mm. time around is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, Sorry, it's I'm great. I'm just remembering a Jamie yeah. Middleton moment when she was younger. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, Kyle's a big guy. Yep. Shaved head. Yes. She was a couple of LMPs deep at the staff party one night, <laughs> and she had a handful of glitter, and she was like, oh, I'm going to glitter Kyle's head. It'll be funny. He'll think it's hilarious. And, uh, and I think Dave Kennedy and someone else was like right right, right beside her being like, no, it's no, it." No on everything. Jamie, no, 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 no. 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 She's like, no, whatever, you guys, you guys don't get it. He'll, he'll think it's funny and slam this glitter on <laughs> Kyle's head. He just turned around and like, not amused. <laughs> like, like, just had that look where you're like, oh, you better sort of go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she's, um, mm. yeah, she's got some, um, yeah, she's got some cheekiness to it, but mm. no, she's, uh, but that's what it takes, you know, you've mm. got to push boundaries. Whether it's at a staff party, it's, maybe I, not, but certainly, yeah. <laughs> certainly. Oh, there's been worse boundaries pushed at staff parties than that. No, really? <laughs> no wouldn't know about that. Listen, listen to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's doing something with No Sports New Zealand now, I think. Coaching, yeah. Some sort of coaching thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, she is. Um, and it's and that's, that's so cool to know that people like Jamie uh, have taken... Um, a branch, so to speak, not just in the SBI and Z's pathway, but they've moved into the Snow Sports New Zealand high performance, that sort of Olympic pathway as well. Mm. And there's 
that pathway is only getting stronger, which is so cool. Um, yeah. Whether it's a coaching pathway, which we can talk about, or the uh, what the work that people like um, you know Tom Wilmot and Sean Thompson, Tom, I mean that, those guys help bridge the gap between the instruction world and the coaching world. Yeah, and we've both got both both worlds have so much to offer each other. Yeah, and I think that is uh, fundamental to the success we're seeing on the world stage at the moment. Yeah, uh, and getting yeah, getting getting coaches like Bud Keen to come down and, and work with Janina on her carving in a pipe back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. and uh, or having crossovers from. Um, snow school come and work with athletes like it's there's just so much acceptance mm. for understanding what it takes to be excellent so there is something you said about someone with an instruction background helping out athletes that have just been coached because there's quite a, mm. a actually this might be something good to clear up like the difference between instruction and coaching because mm. um, to me it sounds like the same thing but I don't yeah. know um, yeah it's a lot of it comes down to the timeline you have to work with that person. Mm. You know, if you rock up from Aussie and you're there for a couple of days at one of your local one of the mountains in New Zealand and you book a lesson to learn how to snowboard, you're going to get taught a lesson. Mm. And that's essentially what it is. It's a lesson. You know, mm. it's a regimented pathway. There's a progression that you follow that's tried and proven that is uh, going to help you get turning and go um, enjoy yourself on the mountain. If you're being coached, there's more of an element of the onus is on the athlete or the or the, other, the person you're working with, and for them to know that that's a, that two-way re- uh, responsibility of development is a big part of the coaching pathway. And for someone to move through that pathway, you got to have your level one and your freestyle certification and um, there's some really cool e-learning and some online mm-hmm. um, sessions that we do as well. So it's uh, it's something that's been developed over the last few years um, mm-hmm. with the help of Snow Sports New Zealand, the relationship we have with um, uh, SBINZ and NZSIA. So um, I help lead that up each year, and it's really cool to see it grow. And last year we had the on-snow coaching portion, which is which is awesome. And mm-hmm. we had skis and snowboarders in the same group coaching each other, and it worked really well. So it seems like, uh, say, former pros seem to end up on the coaching side of things. Like, mm. you got like, say, Nick Brown's coaching the young guys with snow sports, and yep. AJ's doing a bit of coaching. Is that sort of? Is this? I don't even know where I'm going with this. But it seemed like back in the day, mm. Kadrona, when I started there, like they'd get like whoever the sponsored guys were to do be the coaching and stuff. Yeah, it was probably a bit more raw dog back then. Like, oh yeah, is, everything was raw. Back is then. that? Yeah. Um, yeah, the requirements to become a snowboard coach does it have to be like? Do you have to operate at a certain riding level that would be mirroring like a former pro or something? I like think that? it depends on where you're at as far as an athlete goes. Mm. I mean, clearly Bud Keen can't spin triples in the pipe anymore. Yeah, but he's highly regarded as a very experienced coach that knows how the body moves and knows how to ask good questions. And when you and if you're at a level where you can spin a seven or you can spin, and um, you know you can send it off the big line and go upside down and, and all that good stuff, you have a you should really have a good understanding of those fundamental tricks: how to take off switch, how to land switch, 
um, not just all your forward direction. Um, so, for you know, the, the Grummies, they need to see strong riders. Mm. They, they they look up to uh, you know the talent that mm. that's in front of them, and and if you can't do a certain trick or if you can't ride to a certain level, yeah, they're going to see that. Mm. So, but if you don't have that riding level, you're seeing your strengths are seen in other areas. Mm. Like we track record, yeah, all the questions you ask and, so, the, and the results they get in comps. But then every now and then you see, you know, you see coaches like Tom Wilmot who's smashing massive lines in Alaska and mm. and, and heli guiding at a high level, Not boosting the, way higher out of the pipe than mm. I've, I've ever done. But you know, he's yeah. he's uh, you know he's 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 getting older but he's he knows his his technique and he can certainly coach at a high level to match mm. so if you can still boost australia out short then you must have the grounds to be able to coach a triple or something in the same pipe because you have an understanding of well you have an understanding motion of like motion mm. and trajectory and center mass and biomechanics mm. um cause and effect relationships is a big one mm. so the body being the cause, the effect is what happens to your snowboard. The snowboard's not going to spin a three. The mm. body has to be balanced over the edge and take off, mm. uh, stacked well, and uh, in a good understanding of rotation to match has to go with it. But if yeah, if you know how to um, send out the pipe, you, you know about you know certainly know about risk, mm. and helping an athlete manage that risk and mitigate it is is huge. Mm. Um, and you mentioned some of Tom's achievements before. But we got. Uh, can't uh, understate the um, victory of the mini pump champs oh. at um, at Cadrona last year. Yes. Yep. He, he took took out the open. I'm like rad. Yeah. yeah. No. Good on yep. him, eh? Like it's um, yeah. It's cool to see these these comps um, mm. sort of uh, help offset the seriousness of what Winter Games or the Olympics can. Yeah, can, sort of bring it back down to the sort of accessible grassroots. <laughs> Definitely. Super yeah. inclusive and mm. um, always a good time. Because mm. um, um, I haven't seen you at the mini pipe. Have I just been turning my back at the wrong time or something? Oh, no, I haven't had the, the privilege of doing that yet. I've always either been tied up in work uh, or there's been a big slalom on. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's, You might have to clear your schedule this year. You know what? Mm. Yeah, you might have to do that. Mm. It's um, certainly something I want to do. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it's really cool to see Burton supporting it. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and, and other board companies support events and, and the shops mm. support events, like Jones supporting Bank Slalom's at TC. Yeah. Like that's, that's huge for the industry and um, it's really cool to be part of that. Yeah, it's awesome that it's still, you know, there's a connection there. Mm. You know, the Coronet One's LibTech and... Yep. And I think actually Dogger's got a couple of board brands with the mini pipe as well as Volcom and those dudes too. And yeah. It's really cool to see that it's not just a, a you know, Westpac bank or whatever. Yeah, know? I know, right? Can you, you imagine? Know, like, yeah, but yeah. it's an example of the snowboard industry giving back, you know, mm. um, paying it forward to the industry and to, you know. Yeah. Well, I think those brands get it. They do. And, yeah. And it's sort of definitely as a consumer, yeah. hopefully that's, information that you take on board mm. like right well that's where i'm going to spend my dollars is mm. these brands that support our industry that's right us, and it's and, it, and i think it goes a bit deeper than that too it's you know back in the day like if you saw a, a shit out rider send it and they had a clothing label on you're like fuck yeah cool and whether you consciously bought that jacket or bought that board at the later that season or not 
uh, it was a big driving force of what you did with your dollars. But n- mm. I think now more it's the the reason why uh, clothing and world companies uh, make and, and operate. For example, Jones and what Jeremy Jones is doing with the industry mm. and his voice with um, Powell. Is a and their material construction of their boards and and many other boards in the snowboard industry and clothing industry, they have a much they just give much more clout mm. and that driving factor of the reason why people choose is to spend that extra couple hundred bucks on that board it makes a big difference to them. Like I'm a big fan of LipTech and it's like well, part of it was that they were embracing this environmental reducing their environmental impact mm-hmm. and it's like well that's cool i want to support that and then you see like capita doing the mothership and yeah yeah jeremy jones doing his pals thing it's like man that's these people get it they do eh? you know and yeah i i, I liked one thing i seen on the jones board was uh on the free ride shapes was they had uh red flags for avalanche danger printed on the top sheets yeah i was like that's, that's right. fucking awesome yeah like, it is it's really and, cool and, and it's know, even printed in my backpack as well yeah. like that, that red flap that um velcro down every time you open the backpack you're constantly reminded to pull your head in next time it's a powder day in the back yeah. country and it's like yeah needs more of that though, yeah you yeah. know because um, we've all seen that one swinging dick that thinks they know a couple of things that goes and triggers something or oh, that you know. guy yeah I know yeah. or a girl um, <laughs> yeah no. anyway we've, uh, we're going to take it back a little bit um, on the interski trip to Argentina why did you have to sleep in the lobby oh man I thought we were past that <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in Argentina uh, yeah that I mean, you, you travel such a long way, and you you want to have a good time while you're there. You know, it's just it's a short week of you know on snow and off snow lectures and presentations. You want to make the most of it, right? So we sent it pretty hard on the last night, and most of us uh, came home an hour or less before the bus took us to the airport. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I couldn't go home that night. <laughs> I couldn't go home because. Uh, my my room was occupied by a certain colleague that wouldn't let me in because he was um, getting to know one of the locals. <laughs> 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 Admittedly, I was hanging out with another local as well, but we uh, we just hung out on the lounge until we were allowed back in and <laughs> pack our shit together and get out of there. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was a it was a good time. I do remember though sitting on the bus and. A little bit dusty, waiting for the rest of the team to get on board. And the, the airport's not far away, but we knew we had to be there by a certain time to check in. And we're like, man, there's a couple of guys missing. Where's Maccas and Stubbsy? So they, they were up in their room. They hadn't packed or anything. One of the buses ready to go. Like, oh, no. shit, I had to leave. <laughs> we go, oh, Stubbsy, woke up. And we're just packing his bag for him. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> These guys had sent it so hard, they just weren't. Up for the for the bus ride, eh? Just back it was a pretty rough ride home, but yeah, yeah there we go. There's some dirt on Stubbsy. <laughs> Not that there's much. And while we've uh, brought Stubbsy back up, can we talk about 360? what that is yeah man yeah for sure like what i'm not um coaching and, and enjoying the snow it's been really cool to be involved with um uh, my business partners and 
you know, friends there too. It's uh, 360 New Zealand's a digital media business. We're um, obviously based here in Wanaka. Uh, we work remotely and travel around the country and done some work overseas too. But we do a lot of filming work. And we sort of, all, our, all the business partners, myself, Regina and, and, and Subsy, we have a background in education and, and training. So we're sort of taking that into the e-learning space and produce a lot of videos and online platforms for companies to upskill their staff. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool. So that's been cool. We've just been up to Marlborough recently and shooting some work for Matua Winery and uh, do some first aid work. And, Is there an yeah. Instagram page or a website we can check out? 360? Or? Yes, check out uh, 360NewZealand.com. But we, we're, we're producing a bunch of snowboard demonstration and ski videos too, actually, for the NZSIA. Um, which will be released this season right so just about every riding task you can think of um, for the benefit of instructors or people wanting to be instructors to watch this will all be available online and, and the e-learning to match uh, to yeah really break down what it takes to to understand how to stand on your board and make it work for you oh cool hmm. so we filmed all yeah, those and yeah. they'll be released this season what um, was the yeah. idea behind the name uh, 360 just it came out of 360 Niseko back in the day um, Keith did some work with those guys then it flowed into 360 Queenstown Wanaka which was like a uh, resource hub for learning about what to do in the space down here but then we just had loads of fun making videos and filming and we wanted um, 360 being all encompassing sort of not leaving any stone unturned um, helping businesses um reach us and be more of a one-stop shop for what they need to to promote themselves and what they do mm. and another thing um working with stubsy on is camp three yeah so yeah. Uh, what what is camp three so camp three is a not-for-profit club it's a, a society corporate society we set it up because we felt that there was a need for not just instructors but people wanting to get better on their snowboards with their friends. And we found a lot of people that could come out of their instruction pathway and not really want to do another certification, like level three might have been a bit more advanced for them, uh, or they needed a few seasons before they did their level three, and but they still wanted to hang out and go shred power in Japan and, and ride together as a gang and and uh, go on trips together. So we, we've run camps in, um, in Japan and New Zealand, uh, we're, we're based at Kadrona and do camps at TC as well. Um, Nazar Onsen is one of our favourite places in Canada, uh, Japan to oh, go visit. Yeah. Uh, I know you've been there. Did, did you go there with Bulljay? No, I went there by myself. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah and I, sh- <laughs> I, <laughs> I got six days of no snow there. Like oh, I, I, I was, in, I was in the middle of the snow donut. Right, everywhere yeah. was getting the snow, but Nazar Onsen. Oh, man. And then it was like, oh, they don't even have a Lawson's. What the fuck? <laughs> True, yeah. But, um, but I mean, it was still, it was, it was still cool. Like, because it hadn't snowed, it didn't mean I could. Because I ended up meeting a couple of people I knew from here that knew the area hmm. that we could venture out to the back country, and it wasn't as dodge. Yeah, and uh, and we actually got a couple of like mean days, just knocking a couple of lines out, out the back there. So it was still a cool time. Sick. Awesome wee town though, eh? 
it's it's got so much uh it, it doesn't have that western influence like you see mm. in Asako. they're mm. way more local yeah um, hot water running natural onsen water running across the streets to melt the snow um hot steam buns on just about every corner um the snow monkeys to go visit on mm. a day off like this and it's a place like that that we we chose places like you know nozawa to go visit and ride and shred because it does offer a really cool experience mm. and to stay with the locals in their um accommodation like, so i really want to go too. back and experience the mm. nozawa onsen that i've seen yeah because it just looks incredible like, yeah it's got a lot to offer yeah um yeah i think a lot of people get drawn to Naseko, but there's so many other mountains mm. um that can give a really cool experience not just snow you know but all the culture that goes with it yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. so yeah we, we love running camps in japan when we could and we all hope to run them um next season mm. but uh yeah we've got camps up at tc and Kadrona this season all mountain freestyle and um mm. free road camps mm. uh, bank slalom camp we're going to prep oh, no. help people prep towards that we've got uh, camps with steeps and drops um yeah three and four star camps which are more terrain specific four star and more general for three ああ、そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そうですね。そ
they'll put a lift wherever they want um, so they, and make it happen. That guy must have, that in the Olympics, must have been more gutted than to place where he did with the knee grab situation. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, if, if that's the mentality of yeah. only gold's good yeah, enough. True. And then, I, yeah, true. And then, because yeah. I, I don't know the dude's name, but he fucking killed it. And and then yep, and then he, he got him and McMorris got placed down because a dude won with a knee grab. That's, that's right. got to even be a bit more if he's coming in with that mm. mentality. That's got to even yeah, it's shit, pretty be harsh, pretty right? gutting. Hey? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and what the judges see and what we see on TV is, you know, sometimes there's a, a disconnect between that uh, and you know we got to do do is read Ed Lee's articles or have a chat to him about mm. what what he saw and what he witnessed. Um, I'm hoping Ed's going to come on here. Yeah, I hope so. Point. He's mm. back in Wanaka now, so yeah, after oh. being in Europe. So, yeah, cool. definitely uh, a chat with him is good. But as far as being over there and experience the culture, man, there was, we had some weird stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, you're sitting there with a hot pot and, you know, the, the head of a uh, rooster pops up, you know, and you're like, <laughs> right, <funny>. okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's some vitamins and minerals in there somewhere. <laughs> Um, but you know, nothing like washing it down with a bit of baijiu, which is like paint stripper, um, but highly regarded as a celebratory drink, you know, like you're sitting around a round table, the food just keeps coming and they love, uh, connecting with their, with the coaches around food and, and a couple of drinks, you know, and they'll stand, take turns standing every few minutes and raise a toast to you people in the room and, and, you, and you drink as a sign mm. of respect yeah um but it's uh it's cool i met some really really uh solid guys in china and girls that have you know are really really stoked to to get better and to contribute because mm. were these um people that were because for a while there it seemed like there was um quite a lot of the chinese crew coming down to kadrona to do or new zealand to do their uh, instructing and whatnot was this mm. a byproduct of that so the yeah. US going over there right? it was yeah so our yeah started off with them coming down to New Zealand to to get a grip what's going on and they realized that they needed to bring in not just New Zealand trainers and examiners over to China but the Canadians and the Americans and, and British for example they, they all went over as well and the, the Canadians are still there in a big way uh, running courses and training people to be instructors and to be trainers so that they can then get what was their goal? Like 300 million Chinese nationals involved in snow and ice sports by the Olympics. And this was at four years ago. 300 million? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So they built wow. 200 new ski resorts or thereabouts. I might have my stats wrong, but certainly in excess of 200 new resorts were built around China to help with the, facilitate people getting involved in the sport. Fucking hell. That's and is China that mountainous or lots of uh, rolling hills? Oh yeah. Let's think of think Mount Iron and Wanaka, but all smoothed off and rounded, mm. um, with lots of tall lots of trees, um, with a lot of cold air that comes down from Mongolia, that with uh, extensive snow making operations. Fucking hell! Mm. Shit, cold as yeah. super cold. Yeah. <laughs> Just get as many runs as you can before noon because the snow gets pretty smashed. Pretty, um, but, uh, but yeah, the snow they got the snow making down pretty well. Not much off-piste, 
but they blow snow out of the trees so that you can get some tree riding in. It's pretty, oh. pretty surreal place to ride and yeah. experience. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I go back, but certainly appreciate the opportunity and and all the things I learned from the like, the Chinese crew over there. Mm. Shout out to Wei Yan and uh, Wei Wei. <laughs> oh, and uh, there's a new coaching pathway that um, uh, would be worth talking about. Yeah, yeah, so I alluded to it earlier. It's a really cool way for people that have dabbled in the athlete pathway or have their instructor certifications and they want to just branch out and, again, like really work on that question you asked earlier with the difference between instructing and coaching. Mm-hmm. And over the course of some uh, indoor and online sessions, we, we look at, what is coaching, who are we coaching, and how are we coaching. And uh, myself and uh, Sean Thompson, Tomo, we picked the reins up from a lot of hard work that Snow Sports New Zealand have put in over the years to help uh, develop a, a coaching pathway. That's just, um, we've started off like an indoor like an introductory session, and now it's um, with the help of people like Stubbsy doing the e-learning component, and the on snow um, sessions that we run over the course of the week later in the season it's um, actually quite refreshing to be involved in something different from teaching people how to turn Um, it gets more into the art of asking good questions to help put more onus on the athlete or the rider for example a kid moving towards junior nationals or an entry level competition um, we this certification pathway is essentially set up for a coach to help um, you know ride it towards junior nationals feel confident and competent enough to to get better and enter and have a good time. So, someone that's been around snowboarding and coaching and instruction for a while, uh, have you got any advice for aspiring competitors? Yeah, well, not a whole lot, but mm. what I've seen, particularly in the last couple of seasons, is Riders like Zoe stepping up and making a massive scene in the natural selection. Obviously, the Olympics, is she's done incredibly well, and that's a huge part of her success. But to see her shred at the natural selection is a massive testament to the versatility she has as a rider and how she's been coached over mm. the last few years. Uh, I, I think that's a, a massive role. It's not just... I mean, yes, it's getting really good at um, kickers, and mm. spinning onto rails and understanding biomechanics and embracing airbags and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if you're not out there riding in a whiteout and riding down a steep, gnarly, shitty, icy slope sometimes, you know, with your buddies, having as much fun as you can in that space, you're not building that that strong fundamental versatility over your edge and over your board. Mm. I mean, how good she looks just as good on snow as she does in the year, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's, um, and you know, you know, a good coach will go, will pull the reins in and go, no, no, you're not doing that, um, back fiving until you can learn a front five, or, mm. or you're not learning that front, uh, that back five until you can learn a front three. Because mm. some people don't, they're like, oh, like, I don't want to spin front side. Fuck mm. that, no. no. Backside's where it's at. It's so much yeah. fun. I'm going to keep doing that whether it's my own buzz or following my own ego or 
I was oh mates on the chairlift looking at me yeah. I better do my best trick you yeah. know it's like no no you gotta go through and work on all four ones off the beginner line and, and appreciate mm. what that versatility at that low end can give you yeah and uh, any advice for aspiring instructors time <laughs> uh, well people certainly that have their level two moving towards level three time is a big one uh, conversations you know all the answers aren't necessarily in the manual like you gotta listen to that TED talk that old mate said that's a good one um, you got to have those conversations in the locker room that challenge your idea of what a good lesson is um, you got to move past the idea that it's not just a lesson but it might be a session to someone they don't want to be taught a lesson so if it means them sitting on the side of the run six times in one run getting taught by that instructor what to do next even though that might technically be correct they don't want to sit there so it's about what they need and what they want and what's going to help them get buzzed on the idea of getting better mm. rather than what you feel the best progression was mm. and any advice for aspiring coaches yeah conversations uh, again time experience hanging out with other coaches not just mm. in snowboarding um, and it's making sure that you have appreciation of what sometimes the most uh, unassuming source of information might come from it might mm. be that person you sit on the chairlift with and and you hear something that is completely different from snowboarding but you're like you know i can i can reckon i can use that somehow and if it's not the right time to share that with the athlete then don't shelve it but come back to it let it like nurture it and um and and flesh it out and, and see what happens but uh um yeah, to, to be involved with coaching and to, to go to Pyeongchang and, and see John Shelley coach Carl Murphy at the Paralympics was was it was an epic opportunity to, to, to see that coaching at a high level face to face and um, to see what it, what those guys achieve over there, um, whether it's Paralympics or otherwise, it's pretty cool. Hmm. And what's your um, thoughts on snowboarding today? You think uh, snowboarding's in a, in a pretty good place? Or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there used to be chat of a decline in snowboarding. It mm. was like, and yeah, that might have been true in some countries, and that was certainly a topic at one of the industries he went to. Um, what's up with the decline, and, and, and how can we make it better? And we rocked up going, no, nah, like, Kadrona's actually seeing more lessons last season. Like, people are wanting to snowboard more and more. And, and I think um, just the ethos around um, snowboarding in New Zealand, whether it's a club field or not, like, you know, like learning how to ride a, a nutcracker on a snowboard uh, at Temple Basin, even though that was painful sometimes and not ideal that you can go to ride a, you can ride a chairlift whenever you want, mm. but that was crucial to my development. Mm, it's a humbling like, experience, a nutcracker. Oh, for sure. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it's a nutcracker or a T-bar, like, just go out and do it. Like, you got to have a... Um, you got to get experience from, from most club fields and not just be a sucker for the commercial ones every season. You know? mm. Mm. Oh, sweet. And is there any uh, riders you're following today or competitions? Oh, well, well, the ones that like to have fun. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly riders that I uh, that I look up to for different reasons. You know, um, the the mindset that someone like Zoe has, mm. um, knowing the 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 monumentous pressure that can be put on someone's shoulders particularly in the olympics mm. and to and to see someone like her step up to the plate 
and um, and use that to their advantage. Um, for someone like Tomo, who isn't feeling the pressure on snow, but certainly pressure at the top of the course, mm. look up to him for what he's doing for Snow Sports New Zealand and the, and the whole team at Snow Sports New Zealand. Um, the oh, uh, Tian style. Oh, he's incredible style. Just eh? bolts, yeah. man. Like, just, you know, he, he was... Up, yeah, he just he he certainly finished the season well um, abroad, that's for sure. He but he um, placed uh, in the Bombhole Cup, I think, just recently. Yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh, uh, he just beat me in the, in the TC Baxlar last season too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tian! Like, how could I be disrespectful to someone like Tian and beat mm. him? You know, like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, it's uh, it was cool seeing him straight off, um, mm. not just in the park. But him and Zoe share a lot of the same traits. They're like they're good, humble shredders that let their writing do the talking. That's know? right. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool. Not it's not just a, um, about the the big comps, but it's about those the small ones too that help nurture the sport. Yeah, well, it was rad to see. Um, uh, it, it, we talked about the mini pipe before, but it was rad to see like Tian and Carlos and Mitchell Laverne and. You know, it's a mini pipe, but they were still there, busting and getting yeah, it. Man. It wasn't, it wasn't beneath them. Mm. You know, yeah. Like it's rad. You see, he just came up to the bank slalom. Like, that's pretty cool that he thought enough of that event to come and do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's my notes all done. Is there any thank yous and shout outs you'd like to give out before we move on to our enders? Oh, for sure. Um, oh, big one, family. You know, whether it's my parents, my mum, my dad, and my sister. Um, but obviously, support over the years, what I'm doing and what I love to do. Um, my partner Ashley and Tully for being supportive. It's um, been really cool. Splitboarding, even uh, though we didn't go up a mountain, we still went splitboarding up at Snow Farm last season with my Tully in the backpack. So that was pretty cool to get her involved in snow sports. So hopefully, she can see more of that this season. But yeah, I mean, it's family. There's there's the professional side with Rookie Academy and opportunities that they've given me over the years, uh, opportunities that Cadrona have given me, and and um, the division as well. Um, being able to travel around the world and spend time with people like the Swiss team, and and learn more about their their culture and and how they do things and yeah, you never know you sit, who who you sit next to in the chairlift day. Eh? Like you yeah. can learn from anyone. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, we'll roll into our stock enders. Um, favourite rider? Oh, man, so many different reasons. Um, the, the power of Travis Rice, the finesse and versatility of Terrier, um, the cat-like riding of all Jay. Like, yeah, mm. there are plenty of riders I can point out, you know. Yeah, whoever's having fun and, and doing really well in what they do. Mm. Favourite mountain? TC. Yeah. Oh, Verbier, close second, and but yeah, the mountain that my buddies are on and having a good time with for sure. Your favorite board? I'm on a Jones Ultra Mountain Twin at the moment, and I love it. It's nice. Wouldn't ride anything else right now. It's even though riding different boards is important. Uh, this board is versatile enough for me to have a good time anywhere for sure. Oh, sweet. Uh, favorite video part? The I guess the, if there was like a, a video or a series of videos that were really instrumental in me getting soaked, stoked on uh, 
snowboarding was probably the lame and after lame video yeah. series, um, yeah. which I think is really underrated and under talked about. Uh, but yeah, that was a big part of me getting pumped on snowboarding back in the day for sure. Yeah, I loved lame. Like yeah. it just made. Yeah, they did all these big hammers that were pretty unachievable for a lot of us, but they also had a lot of the goobering side hits that we could be like, yeah, yeah, I could do that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they they, they really tapped into that achievable hit that you know anyone can pull off. Mm. Favorite gig? Oh man, um, been to obviously a couple, but I mean, Pearl Jam was pretty rad. I've been to Pearl Jam in Christchurch, and um, yeah, I had a real good time at Rudimental a couple of years ago at, um, at uh, Rhythm and Alps, but yeah, good That's times. Sweet. Favorite city? City, uh, I've had some good times in Denver, but Vancouver's pretty cool. You know, you've got the mountain biking right there as well, um, and then shoot up to Whistler, it's pretty cool. And yeah, I don't spend a lot of time in cities to be honest, but. Yeah, and there's um, a lot, lot to offer on Northern Hemi. Favourite track? Oh, maybe. I was all about backies for years, eh? And they were, they were super fun. But I think just a, a nice, clean, late back three or a late back one. Nice. Yeah. Favourite board graphic? Uh, um, oh, man. You got a lot of really good examples on your wall behind me, um, uh, but uh, I got uh, I really like what Jones are doing with their top sheets at the moment. Um, they lays it on, and yeah, it's not just about what you see on the top sheet; it's about the construction that goes into it. And then you know, next year they'll have all their boards going to be fully recyclable. So, awesome. any board that that can uh, be sustained like that is a board that I'm like riding on for sure mm, that's important for us that rely on a healthy environment too yeah you man know? for sure <laughs> um, who has the best method oh man um, I think Mikel Bang has probably got a pretty sick method mm. yeah Mikel. I know Terry he, he's pulled off some very very consistent methods in the past but yeah Mikel's pretty good too sick and final bonus question, what's the key to a good method? Um, I think it's like hand placement, like that, with that back, that trailing hand. I think if you can understand the difference between um, what your your trailing hand and your, your back heel does and where they go in the trick and fully understand counter-rotation, hmm. that is the key to a good method. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I, I, you know, if, if you know counter rotation and, and the biomechanics around that, then um, and you know, sprinkle in some good yoga and some uh, some area awareness, and yeah, you get pull off some good tracks for sure. Sweet, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Richie, and hopefully see you up the mountain at some point. Cheers, Tony. I think it's uh, going to be a fun season, and I love what you're doing with the podcast, bro. Thanks oh. for doing it, and thank you for all your time. The hours and hours that people don't think realize what this goes into a podcast so thanks very much for all your efforts too oh cool thank you cheers bro cheers